Greetings, friends, and welcome to How To Wrestling, the first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. However, once again, I'm the advocate for people understanding more about wrestling and hopefully not judging it on first impressions entirely. Kevin, joined as I am always in this look at wrestling and and this episode looking specifically at the beast Brock Lesnar, I'm joined by the beauty Joe Graham, hey? Glory, glory, Joe Graham. I just thought, <laughs> I, I just realised. Paul Heyman to join me. Beauty and the Beast. I don't want you to marry Brock Lesnar because yeah. I don't think you need to put up with that. I don't want to marry Brock Lesnar. I'm just worried, though. I mean, as a man standing here right now, I, I honestly will tell you that if Brock Lesnar just like jumped through our window, like swooped in and just like put you over his shoulder, ran away, disappeared, yeah. and said that you were his wife, now I'm not sure I could stop him. Yeah? Yeah, he's a scary dude. I've got some mace in the cupboard, so we're probably okay. I'll kick him in the balls. I mean, it's a kind of flip up, I'm not sure, but... Yeah, that should that should give you an indication of the calibre of gentlemen we're talking about today. We're talking about wrestling's final boss, more beast than man, formerly the next big thing, and now currently the biggest thing in wrestling, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is an absolutely fascinating individual, and someone who at the end of the last episode, I said, was only my bloody favourite wrestler at the moment. Yeah, strong words. Strong words, tied with Sasha Banks, maybe. I bet you say that about all the wrestlers. I don't say that about all the wrestlers, but I, I mean, we can definitely agree before we get into anything that Brock Lesnar is a, a special, unique flower. Yeah. I mean, would you say so? I would never call him a flower. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm talking about the kind of flower that, like, you know... A meat flower. A meat flower that's just One full made of, of ham. That has veins. It's like it's going to kill you. And has a weird face on it that, you know, <laughs> screams in a really high-pitched voice. Yeah. But he is definitely unique, you would say, yes? Yes, although... A couple of people have pointed out he's kind of a interesting play on a few tropes. No, no, definitely. Lesnar is, in many ways, a very old-school character in that he's just a big, scary man. He's like a boss at the end of a video game. Definitely. And I think in wrestling, it's so rare to see a legitimate, just a big, scary man that everyone is scared of and is massively intimidating and is presented that way consistently. Yeah. It used to happen a lot back in the old days when, you know, you didn't have much TV or quite easy to you know the internet is quite easy to protect the mystique of a lot of bad guys but i can tell you right now that brock lesnar definitely does give me the willies does brock lesnar have twitter um no he doesn't i think he has again like dean ambrose there was a twitter set up for him yeah and as far as i know he's never tweeted from it as far as I know, it just included links to Paul Heyman's website at one point to Heyman Hustle. So, um, Brock Lesnar is someone who definitely divides the fans in many respects. And I think when we look into the tweets later, we'll definitely see a, a strong range of opinions on the man. It's not all smiles and hugs and handshakes with Brock Lesnar. Some people have legitimate issues with yeah, him, Yeah, I, I was say. shocked to hear some of the things that people had to say about him that I didn't know. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about Joe is that Joe started watching wrestling around SummerSlam 2014, which was a match that was heavily featured and built around Brock Lesnar appearing there. So I thought it might be interesting at the start just to get what your very first impressions upon seeing Brock Lesnar in, you know, in the action in WWE. He seemed unrealistically scary when I first saw him. I do remember he, like, out of all the people on that show, 
I know Seth and Dean were the first kind of characters you had gotten interested in, but yeah. I think Brock was definitely someone who was making you react. Well, the first first time I saw him, I kind of thought of him as the same as like Randy Orton, all those other sorts that like have hardly any body or head hair and just yeah. wear tight black pants and, and have awesome pads. tattoos. Yeah. Awesome tattoos. Wow. Oh. <laughs> oh, such tattoos. Oh. Hmm. But, but anything um, change about your opinion of him then? So I saw him then in a match after that and he was represented by Paul Heyman and it was just very confusing. You ever been confused by why Paul Heyman would always be out He'd there? He'd be on the mic for like 20 minutes and I'm sorry, I love Paul Heyman now. I absolutely adore him. He's one of my favourite guys. Yeah. But when I watched that match and there was Paul Heyman talking for about 10, 15 minutes while Brock Lesnar was in the background getting himself all pumped up. Little dance. And a little red. Yeah. Um, it was just really weird. It's it's interesting because uh, Paul Heyman, for those who don't know, he's he acts as like the representative for Brock Lesnar, as someone whose career is definitely tied with with Brock's. We'll talk about him more in, in this episode, but he would generally come out and he speaks for a length of time on behalf of Brock Lesnar, hyping up either his match or just Brock himself or what he's going to do to his opponents. I'm, I imagine as a new fan. Sitting one, one must have been shocking to you to say, why has this guy got a spokesperson and 20 minutes to talk yeah. about how great he is? Yeah, I didn't quite understand why and how that kind of whole thing worked at the time. Whereas now, I think it's one of the coolest gimmicks currently on the show. I think anytime Brock Lesnar is on TV, you've always been yeah. really engaged with it. What was the turning point then? Or was there like uh, a moment when you started kind of really getting into the Lesnar character? I'm trying to think. I think it was when you told me that he genuinely lived up a mountain <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and the only contact he had to the outside world was a phone two miles away down a hill in like a pub or something. Yeah. Through which he could contact Paul Heyman. I think actually it is. He lives. He used to live in. Um, oh, what's it called? He used to live up in kind of like Alaska, Montana way. Right. So up North, North America, which is pretty much Arctic wilderness in, in many respects. And then he moved further off to Saskatchewan in Canada, which is like Whoa. Canadian northern wilderness. And yeah, the, the thing is, the phone is, it's not in a pub, it's actually at the boundaries of his of his grounds, I think, because he owns just like miles and acres of, of, of land. Yeah. So if you, if you want to contact Brock, you've got to arrange for him to take the trip down to the phone. <laughs> so he can talk. So I think, yeah, there's a real-life mystique with Brock who looks... Like just a, an impossible, like something you'd see out of a comic book. And then you obviously, yeah. he has a, a very real background in terms of sports and UFC outside of wrestling. And then you hear these stories of him living completely isolated like this. And he doesn't do media interviews. Uh, That's the thing. He's not on Twitter. You could kind of create this whole uh, like image thing for Brock Lesnar or, or anyone really on, on any kind of wrestler. And that's not all that impressive. The, the thing that really impressed me was the fact that he actually was as mysterious and scary yes. as his character seems to be. It's almost as if like his character is legitimized by yeah. himself as a person, as opposed to a lot of people where your real life, like you don't want to find out that you know John Cena in real life is a bit of a dick or whatever, you no. know. And but it, it's funny that his real life character Brock definitely yeah. makes his actual wrestling character so much more interesting. Yeah, there's a, a word that a term which old timey wrestlers would have for that, which is living the gimmick, brother, because wow. he's he's basically is Brock Lesnar. Like how Ric Flair, someone would say, would be someone who lived the gimmick. Okay. Because his character was a flamboyant playboy who had loads of money. Yeah. And in the 80s, Flair had loads of money and he spent it like the character would. So Lesnar oh. is the gimmick 
in that sense. Right. He really is a murder ham. He really is a murder ham. So we had a long list of matches which we wanted to get through with Lesnar. And Lesnar was someone who was quite hard to trim this down. Um, I'm not saying this is an exhaustive list by any means, nor is it, is it ever here on How To Wrestling. These are just some of the kind of choice highlights I've shown Joe, which could hopefully open up the door for people to find some more stuff from Lesnar. And I think most of the interesting things with Brock Lesnar happen in the ring, I would say. And we watched a lot of matches compared to segments, I would say, for this. Yeah, we did. It's easier to watch Lesnar matches, I think, than it has been for some of the other wrestlers we've covered. Yeah, definitely after Hogan. Hogan. (laughs) Because I think you really struggled to watch some of those Hogan matches. Yeah, I did. So it was a laptop open, you know, browsing Facebook because... God's sake. Yeah, that was hard. But Lesnar, I was genuinely, like, excited. It was actually, I had to, like, stop myself showing you stuff so soon because I wanted to watch it close to recording. Yeah. So I had to hold back on it. Straight away, I remember Brock Lesnar, me growing up, was someone who I watched debut and I've just been fascinated by him the, the whole time since. And his debut was an incredibly impactful one, which we actually ended up having to watch on YouTube because it was just on a random episode of Raw. Mm. And this happened in 2002 when Brock Lesnar made his debut in the middle of a hardcore match with a bunch of other guys. And Lesnar comes in and just immediately you can tell that he is a different caliber of human being. Or is he even a human being? Is he even a human? What we is this? We just don't know. When you see Lesnar out here, and he's probably 21, 22, maybe. That's so young. And he is, without question, one of the largest men. He's in a ring with some big wrestlers, and he dwarfs them. Makes them them look so small. And he does look like a baby with the body of a Greek (laughs) god here. And it's he creeped me out when I first saw him as a kid. What what did you think of his debut? Oh, I thought it was great. He just comes in, suplexes everyone. It's a recurring theme with Lesnar, folks. And then he just proceeds to like destroy this one guy with like the blonde hair. Oh, Spike Dudley, little <laughs> Spike, hundred fifty pounds. Originally, you were like, "Oh, just wait till you see him like come out," and I was like, oh, "Is that Brock Lesnar, the guy with the blonde hair?" <laughs> before he shocking reveal. <laughs> before he drank Paul Heyman's antidote <laughs> to become a giant monster, like before he sold his soul. Yeah, poor Spike. Um, Lesnar does a move which is known as a, it's called a power bomb, where he like, lifts someone up on his shoulders. And slams him into the mat. Oh, I thought that was a suplex. Well, that's when you kind of throw... It's hard to say in an audio podcast. My <laughs> arms are going everywhere at the moment. But it's when he did it and he picked him up three times. Like, yeah. we wouldn't and let go time, of him. each time, there was such a huge noise. And the guy's body just went flop, Oof. bang. Like, it genuinely looked really painful. And you've got the two commentators who kind of are just so shocked. They're like, this is... I remember Jim Ross, he said it, and it, it gave me hairs in the back of my arms when I was a little kid, just seeing Lesnar powerbomb poor Spike so hard, and Jim Ross, like, with his voice quivering, going, this is scary strength, like, <laughs> this man is dangerous, get him away, and who is there with Brock Lesnar, and it made, it was part of the storyline where Paul Heyman, who had been fired by Vince McMahon, he was the commentator, and he was let go after a, a failed coup from ECW Paul's company. And Heyman manages to worm his way back in months later into the company. With And he's the manager and the, the advocate for this new rookie, Brock Lesnar. So he's allowed to be there again. And everyone's like, God damn it, Heyman, that monster. 
that asshole Heyman and he's got this huge Brock Lesnar 20 yeah. year old kid who's just picking guys up and throwing them and killing them it was awesome so good he's so scary yeah he's it's... like it's almost unrealistic how scary like if he was in I've said this before but if he was in a film or a video game mm. and he came out I'd be like this is well unrealistic people like that don't exist Lesnar like yeah ridiculous <laughs> he is like something you would see in a video game and just yeah. in terms of when you look at depictions in like high like you know uh, AAA titles and stuff like that like big hulking space marine dudes yeah and they kind of that's ridiculous that's what Lesnar yeah, is that's what he is he is you can blame Lesnar for your unrealistic beauty standards fellas L- Lesnar is what the protagonists from Gears of War look to and cry and in, in, in if adulation. he was bred with a ham if he was bred with a with a ham but what's great about this is that usually when a big monster comes into WWE and they kill a lot of guys and then one or two things happen. Either one, it gets boring and they get bored of them and they run out of steam. Or number two, they open their mouth and they say something like, Hey guys, I'm going to beat you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a superstar. I'm, I'm a killer. So many times Vince McMahon has like handpicked these monsters to come in. And then when the microphone goes in their hand, it, it's just crap. Paul Heyman is someone we've mentioned so many times already. Yeah. Obviously, in How to Steve Austin, we mentioned Heyman was someone who helped Austin realize his potential and through promos and whatnot. And Heyman himself, a master. And he gets he got Lesnar over massively. Yeah, definitely. I love Paul Heyman. I'm really excited to do his episode too. Yeah, no, How to Heyman is something we're definitely going to do. So Lesnar basically ran roughshod, just attacking in random matches, not even wrestling in active competition. He was just killing the biggest guys possible. And then he was finally signed for his first one-on-one match, which is the first Lesnar match we watched, which takes place at Backlash 2002, which was Brock Lesnar taking on young Jeff Hardy. I found this one interesting, partly because Jeff Hardy's one of those names you hear all the time. Oh, really? You've heard that on fan. the Twitter I've, and stuff, and just gen- yeah, on Twitter generally, it's one of the he's one of the guys that gets mentioned like constantly. Big name, Jeff Hardy. But definitely. I never knew who he was, and I was really surprised at what he looked like. Oh, what do you? Uh, what was your kind of mental headcanon for Jeff? Hardy? Jeff Hardy, in my mind, looked like Shawn Michaels. That's what he was often compared to a young Shawn really? Michaels. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. exactly my. When I saw Shawn Michaels, I was like, oh, that must be Jeff Hardy. Some people at home will probably realise, yes, he was actually mirrored the career of Shawn Michaels a little too closely at points. More on that in later episodes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, definitely, uh, Jeff Hardy is uh, he's a guy I think you'd like a lot. A high flyer, very yeah, charismatic. Yeah, I didn't get to see much of him, really, except being tossed around like a little rag doll by yeah. Brock Lesnar. Brock's first Lesnar. match... Um, Set in an uncomfortable backdrop. Oh, yikes. It was really weird. It's 2002 WWE. The Attitude Era is over and the ratings are down, but we don't know if we're PG or not. Uh, Let's have a promo with Paul Heyman fondling Lita's underpants. No, no, no. Not only fondling, but stealing them. Holding them hostage. He puts them in his top pocket like a handkerchief. Yeah. Not even Heyman could make this work. It was creepy. Really creepy. It's a it's it's a creepy storyline for sure, and not to to bear on it too much. But obviously, if you're someone out there who's on the quest to find out about Brock Lesnar, you kind of go, "Awesome, let's watch his debut match." Yeah. And I'm like, Joe, you're not going to believe what happens when Brock Lesnar tangles with Jeff Hardy at Backlash, and it's just Paul Heyman sitting on a couch with underwear. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't remember this. 
Yeah. What a tangled web we weave. I had no idea Paul Heyman had ever been such a heel. Oh, Heyman was a a monster creepo. I think that's kind of as well where a lot of Lesnar's heat came from originally was that not just that Lesnar was this big, scary dude who was killing people, is that he was this big, scary dude that was clearly in the pocket of his greasy agent, Paul Heyman, Mm. who... They will remind you of the fact that he is a scumbag by having him come out with a briefcase full of Lita's underpants going, ah! Ugh, it's so gross. Um, Jim Ross does not like (laughs) Paul Heyman at all. What a sick human being. No, I can't do it. You you do the voice. He's a sick human being. A hemorrhoid on the anus of laugh. Paul Heyman. There's one thing he said about Paul Heyman once. He was so poetic was Jim Ross about describing Heyman at this point. And he said... Paul Heyman is like a no good son of a bitch whose black heart is in the shape of a dollar. Wow. <laughs> is there a Twitter dedicated just to Jim Rossisms? Just Jim Ross being incensed. Yeah, by things like and they may as well have pissed on the rock. You know what? There I don't <laughs> think there there actually is, but I think how to Jim Ross when that happens eventually will just be a compilation of his greatest Please. calls. If anyone wants to set up that Twitter though, I would follow the Crap out of that. Currently, myself and uh, the boys at AE Podcast, our favourite Jim Ross one is in, <laughs> in indignation about Triple H doing something mean, saying, how the hell is he even from the same planet? <laughs> <laughs> no, my favourite one will always be the one where they say that he may as well have just pissed on whoever it was. I can't remember which episode it was so, in. Yeah, might as well urinate on the rock <laughs> from How to Steve Austin, yeah. <laughs> uh, they did this big promo video thing at one point. And the music in it is like something from a student horror movie. Yeah, it's not only have you got Heyman Fond and the Undies, it's yeah. all like... Really shit royalty-free student horror movie, like... Lesnar made it himself on Final Cut, like... I got a, a movie, a really fantastic crap movie called um, Maniacal. Oh god, Maniacal. From Poundland. Shades of that. And it's just like the music in that. <laughs> um, Lesnar coming out here, obviously a good deal younger, but still... An impressive physical specimen, a stud, to further quote Jim Ross, is how I would describe. What did you think of Lesnar coming out? Did he still impress you in terms of being a big, scary, unrealistic human? He looks like Stretch Armstrong, only with less hair. Yeah, he's a tosh, Stretch Armstrong. He's got weird kind of like, I don't know, he just doesn't have any blemish to his skin or anything. Like, no. Yeah. He's just like, he's like been modelled by someone making a character on Skyrim. I do think that if the Nazis weren't, were kind of just, you know, if like the Nazis and it was civilization had managed to build up their civilization in Civilization 4, like in a nice corner of the map where it's well protected and no one could stop them, if they kind of got to the final advanced space age, one of the options would be to have a thing that makes Brock Lesnar that looks like this, this perfect ubermensch human <laughs> without a flaw in his, in, he's just scary. You know what I think? You know how you get guest celebrity actors coming into wrestling mm-hmm. I think you should have it around as well and I reckon because you know how in Game of Thrones they have a different guy playing the mountain every season oh god Brock Lesnar as the yes. mountain ideal casting congratulations Joanna Graham who has somehow managed to make both the mountain and Brock Lesnar even more scary <laughs> I smashed your head in just like this because <laughs> it's great the mountain doesn't need to talk much so it's true <laughs> he just needs a little pull my client the mountain Mountain eviscerated <laughs> the Red Viper. Um, Paul Heyman is, of course, you know, there's, even if there was ever a, a hint of a moment that Lesnar was going to be exposed by being a rookie here, you were never going to notice it because Heyman is just so good at, like, 
dictating what the audience is meant to be feeling yeah. when he's screaming at Legend to do offense, when he's screaming at Lita and to Jeff that Jeff's attempts to save Lita's, you know, dignity is, is in vain and that it's all Lita's fault. Really excellent. But Lesnar here was crisp. I mm. mean, he didn't look like someone who was wrestling, you know, only a couple of years. No. he. It's funny because he looks kind of way older than 21 or 22 however old he is and yet also not any yeah. older he wrestles like a veteran in some yeah, ways yeah it's really hard to sort of pin an age on him because you you watch nxt so you see the kind of guys like someone like a baron corbin who's a big guy who's come in who's only got a bit of training under his belt yeah and you can see the lack of confidence come out mm-hmm. sometimes but lesnar here is just so forceful he was a. Uh, it's like he thinks it's his right to be on tv almost and he knows it yeah i think he, he's bred for success because yeah. i mean lesnar before this um wwe um, they have talent scouts who go out to try and find you know athletes and people yeah. who could potentially train to be wrestlers and lesnar was viewed as a big steal for them he was a big college ncaa wrestling champion like all-american untouchable he was one of the best like amateur wrestling yeah amateur wrestling right. and lesnar like people were saying oh might he go to the olympics or get into you know mixed martial arts and like literally the second lesnar graduated he was straight to wwe's developmental camp they they snatched wow. him up and he was only a simple farm boy from minnesota lesnar had never kind of been outside of but he's got the look but he had the look and yeah. straight away he had a rocket strapped to him here Paul Heyman's hair, I'm just going to say sorry now. Yeah. Fucking what's going on there? The ponytail. Pony, not only the ponytail, but poked through the hole in the baseball cap. Yeah, Heyman, um, Heyman it's so funny to see him now embrace being bald so much when for so long he att- he tried to uh. keep... The, the, the iconic Heyman 90s look and early 2000s was him... With the ponytail through the baseball, the Yankees baseball cap, because that was the team everyone hated, yeah. you know, or the ECW cap, or whatever it was at the time. But um, Heyman here was really, really awesome. So then Brock Lesnar comes in, and he's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. He's like, pink. Wow. Yeah, very pink, very sweaty. Off the bat, he's already sweaty before he even locks up. That's I don't. I don't know how he produces all that red pink sweat that he manages. I just. The way I view it, and looking at it from a scientific point of view, is that Lesnar has just got loads of muscles, and because he is just, a, literally, he's a human machine, he has to pump blood to those muscles to make them work, and that's why he's just red, because he's just so fucking big and powerful. Maybe because he's pale as well? He's incredible. I think he is quite, pale. like, he is, he's as Caucasian as it gets, folks. Yeah. I mean... He is the avatar of the Caucasian race. In yeah, I'm some just saying, he does look a bit like a white supremacist. Oh, mo- most definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we get into the match here, and um, he tosses Jeff around like willy nilly. Jeff gets absolutely destroyed. Any offense from Jeff is kind of is brief. Yeah, and I did like I pointed out this out to you the the foreshadowing on commentary yes. from from the the announcers here. Yeah, if he gets some experience, he'll be incredibly dangerous for years to come, or something along those lines. Yeah, they were basically saying that he's this good already. Yeah. Jesus, he's got to change things up here. There was quite a bit of that, of them sort of foreshadowing... I think you'll have a fantastic career and stuff like that like throughout even the matches. When we watch Cena, yeah. and even when we watch Austin, it's as if when Austin was the ringmaster, they're like, man, if this guy gets a personality and you know a, a catchphrase, maybe he'll be dominant for years to come. But it's like they knew straight away yeah. this was this was their guy. And yeah, he's been wrestling for ages. And yeah. when did would you say he became big? 
I'd say he became big by this the summer of 2002. Oh, really? Was that early? It was that early, that wow. quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, Brock kind of slams Jeff around, and towards the end of this match, he just gets these multiple power bombs. There's one at the end where he does it three times, and he picks up Jeff, and he just spins around in a big circle and yeah. just fucking drills him into the bat. Right near the end, you can actually see like Brock Lesnar picks Jeff Hardy up over his shoulder, and you can see Jeff saying something to him. His mouth's moving it's and saying something. Or something yeah. Well, I was wondering if he's maybe saying something along the lines of like, "Please don't kill me." Or might be more likely to say, "Please stop killing me." Yeah. But yes, <laughs> and in the most gruesome of ways, Heyman screams at Lesnar, "Don't pin him." hurt him and then Lesnar just starts hitting him with move after move until the referee looks at a crumpled Jeff Hardy and just says stop it and this hadn't happened in years where the referee awards the decision of a match because he feels the other wrestler can't continue and straight away this whole legitimate thing with Brock comes in and Brock wins by ref stoppage which is something you would usually see in boxing or the UFC not in you know sports entertainment or pro wrestling so Lesnar has always been tagged then as a result of this kind of legitimate guy because of his background and how his matches came off. Poor Jeff Hardy looks so small next to Brock Lesnar. I mean, I don't know if he's a small man. Jeff's like, he's not like a massive bodybuilder, but Jeff is like, he's not short. Yeah. He's a good height, is Jeff, and he looked tiny in comparison to Brock. What did you think of Lesnar's first match in terms of the impact that he made and how you thought he came off? It's amazing to be able to look back at a wrestler like Brock Lesnar and see how consistent his brand has been. Yeah. Like, God, he's forever been this scary fucking monster. There was never a point where he was kind of like, I like this kid and he's got some, you know, attitudes. Like, no, he is scary. Fear the only, him. The only thing I can think of that possibly detracts from that is his promo. His promo. That was something I thought we might bring up. Obviously, we talked about the pairing with Heyman here, which takes us through, obviously, this match and mostly in toward, and most of 2002, this pairing of the two of them with Lesnar doing the bulk of, of, of yeah with Heyman doing the bulk of Lesnar's talking for him, mm. Lesnar would say one or two words, but Lesnar has got a high-pitched voice like this. <laughs> and when Lesnar's in a ring with a microphone, and he's like, I want to fight Goldberg! He's, <laughs> he, he's just... The cadence doesn't work. When Lesnar's sat down and there's a camera on him, and he's like, John Cena's pissing, shitting himself. That's, that's great. That's awesome. But he's not an intimidating man on the, the microphone no. normally. And he actually gets nervous, incredibly Aww. nervous, about doing it. And we'll talk more about Lesnar, you know, on the mic later on as it comes up more prevalent. But it is interesting that someone could not speak and still be scary. Yeah. No way. Um, so we next match we watched as Lesnar smashed his way through. Before the end of the year, SummerSlam 2002, Lesnar had managed to rise to the ranks and was already challenging for the WWE Championship, taking on a very established star and someone who was actually leaving to go make movies. So a very big passing of the torch match, which was Brock Lesnar taking on The Rock at SummerSlam 2002. Mm. The most important thing about this match being that Michael Cole has a goatee. Yes, the announcer who was hyping us up for this one. Michael Cole, 2002, called and asked you to please not have that goatee and <laughs> send it to no time period at all because it is awful in all circumstances. 
the thing that was quite funny about this as well that we laughed out big was they have the little matchup cards. Oh, yeah. The little yeah. animations. And Brock's one is he, he's all flexing, but he's got a little Paul Heyman co- beside him because he's got an ally, you know, an assist. Yeah. And Heyman's one is him going, ha, 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 and laughing back and forth. slides out from behind him like some creep. He's doing the Mr. Burns excellent thing with his fingers. <laughs> it's brilliant. And there's a big hype-up video, which you then see, which is they were focusing on the training and like what these two guys had yeah. to do and Lesnar's got obviously his quite a unique training thing you're obviously probably more aware than I am because you read that article about the fitness routines of all of them oh yeah no he does pretty fucking intense weightlifting and training and stuff cardio and I know he puts sandbags over his shoulder and yeah. runs up and down like football stadiums yeah it comes from when he worked on the farm before because he couldn't didn't have any gym equipment obviously yeah. growing up so he just would practice with like hay bales and like equipment and stuff bench pressing a cow like but, that's know, pretty much then take a bite out of it for sustenance <laughs> and drink its blood it yeah <laughs> <laughs> in his little promo thing he takes a nice little bath though so oh the good. ice bath yeah yeah it looks really nice though even looked- though you know it's full of Advice. Running, running gag from the Outer podcast. I still maintain. I believe um, me and Adam had a big disagreement on this. That an ice bath after a lot of intense working out would be a very refreshing thing. We've had this conversation before when we were watching the Broken Skull Challenge. Yeah, that's, that's what it came from. Yeah, and now I think within the Broken Skull Challenge, I would think it was refreshing. Yeah, because you're on a fucking run. Oh, and there's dirt as well. There, it's dirty, you're dusty. It's fucking hot but generally working out i don't think i would want an ice okay. bath I was, say, I, I was hoping you would agree with me but obviously this just goes to prove if you are listening adam that i will start up another podcast with someone who will prove this point to me Look, and i'll do we- another and another <laughs> and another next time we do some ddp yoga yeah i'll just lob ice at you after yeah we'll do an ice bucket challenge afterwards easy peasy. that's still relevant right um yeah so a big huge match in terms of it was the first time since the Attitude Era had ended that we felt like there was a passing of the torch. Mm. And for me, as a fan of a few years, who was getting a little bit bored because, you know, Steve Austin was gone at this point. Mick Foley was gone. Uh, the Rock was obviously leaving, going for Hollywood. Yeah, isn't this the kind of period where a lot of people stopped watching? All my friends stopped watching at this yeah. point. But the people in school who was just me and the the entire rugby team in school, basically, because they're all fucking creatine-snorting psychopaths who just saw Brock Lesnar as their deity. We were all just thought he was the coolest. He thought that he was going to usher in this new era of wrestling. He was legitimate. He was awesome. And I was so excited about this because it's rare that you get to see, like, the torch is going to be passed. Yeah. And this match was very much old versus new. And it's intense. You noticed that there was loads of photographers around the ring. Yeah, because that's not something you really see in matches now, as yeah. far as I've noticed. Vince has actually banned there being photographers in the ring. Well, is area. it because I imagine it must be really annoying if you're a wrestler and there's photographers with expensive fucking camera equipment being all obnoxious up in your face. Yeah. <laughs> where your feet are going to be and you have to have space to do moves. You know, you earlier were saying how much you love Shawn Michaels in the yeah. previous episode. Yeah, he actually, that's, a, that's something that he's dealt with in the past. Oh, really? So I think you've got a kindred spirit there in the heartbreak kid, <laughs> Shawn Michaels. I like Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I hear he's problematic though. So. He is, but he's... <laughs> someone who has bumped into a lot of photographers in his time wow. they got rid of them because they thought it was distracting I liked it because I think it gives it a big fight feel like if it was 
Tyson, Mike Tyson boxing or Floyd Mayweather or, you know, a, a big UFC showdown, you would see ringside photographers and it kind of makes it feel like there's a buzz. The media yeah. wants to get photos up close of this fight. I think they're too close, though. If they had some kind of like bar or something that just kept them about a foot back, that yeah. would be kind of ideal. Because as it is, I, I just I worry about them getting trampled on. Yeah. Constantly distracted by like, what if they get hurt? That's true. No. If they're really expensive. Those lenses cost more than the cameras themselves if they got accidentally kicked yeah that's true <laughs> that photographer's out of a job I wouldn't like to see how an XLR would do against the, the might of Brock Lesnar's foot yeah you saw how he dealt with that car <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> uh, an incredibly impactful match which starts with Rock sprinting to the ring to start and there was it was high octane and what was great was that even though Lesnar was meant to be the bad guy and The Rock was very much meant to be the good guy because there was the passing of a torch and the kind of crowd that it was the crowd immediately turned on The Rock and started cheering for Lesnar mm. and The Rock just straight away he's like the Rock is such a pro, he's cool with it and he understands how important it is for Lesnar to come off well here. The Rock acts like a bad guy for this match to the benefit of Lesnar, which wow. is really great. And Rock beats the shit out of Brock and Brock beats the shit out of The Rock and Heyman interferes every five seconds. It's a really enjoyable contest. Yeah. Really athletic stuff. At one point, Rock gets Brock in a, was a sharpshooter? Yes, submission manoeuvre. And I was wondering aloud if a wrestler's ever been put in that position and just started doing push-ups. Yeah, I thought that was quite funny if like, because Lesnar starts like stretching up. It was the same move that, that Austin was put in where he bl- left yeah. all that blood against Brett Hart. If they just Hart. started doing push-ups, I think that would just be really funny. You know what? I think the one reason why that's never happened, even though it seems like an obvious and quite a funny spot, is that the three people who have done that manoeuvre as a finishing move are Bret Hart, The Rock, and also Sting, who are three very, very well-protected, high-up yeah. legends. So I don't think anyone would be able to... There's always a thing in wrestling where you can't make your opponent look really ridiculous or his move look ineffective. Yeah. So I think because it's top-end with top-end guys, not allowed. Someone should do it. Someone should do it. it Someone well in Chikara should probably yeah. do it. And Joe will give you the blessing to do that manoeuvre. <laughs> Rock he works like such a bad guy. He ends up hitting the low blow on Brock Lesnar, which, which was which is just wrestling terms for kicked him in the willy. Yeah, low blow sounds so much cooler than struck in the peen. For ages, I thought low blow was like a, a I don't know, like kicking him below the shin or something. I was trying to know it's just kicked him in the bollocks. The one bit of inexperience that came from Lesnar, this I thought was when he was selling his injured willy. And he was just kind of like, really just... Cradling it like a gentle newborn lamb. (laughs) I have heard previously there was the rumour, a a former female wrestler in Valet, Cherry Runnels, had once once mentioned that Brock Lesnar had quote an incredibly red penis yeah actually someone sent that in really uh, yeah i've got the quote up here like like know. a dog's penis i'll, I'll read it out <clears throat> it's from terry runnels she said brock opened the towel and exposed himself and boy was that a little red penis i have never seen something so red <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah brock really sells his his penis quite hard in this one the rock ends up you know it just gets quite crazy. The Rock like, sends Haven through the Spanish announce table as well yeah. at one point. Are you starting to see a trend with the announce <laughs> tables yet, Joe? Well, <laughs> I remember when we were watching this match, I was like, when he threw them through the uh, announce table, I was like, is that the, uh, the Spanish announcer's table? And you were like, oh my God, <laughs> you've worked it out then. <laughs> it is. It's, it's basically, for lack of a better term, it is a wrestling trope. 
Yeah, it's like the red shirts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If an announce table is going to be broken, it damn sure as shit ain't going to be the English-speaking one. That's why it was so funny why when in, was it SummerSlam, there was the French announcers table. (laughs) Everyone's like, what does that mean? (laughs) It means that the Spanish announce table were threatening to walk if they didn't put them through some other languages (laughs) table for once. French announcers out there going, oh, God, a lot of people thought that maybe there's not enough French fans to warrant having a French announce table. I reckon the French announcers table is just for explosions, setting them on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Spanish announce table, it's... uh, it's it's got a short lifespan usually, particularly in older uh, wrestling matches. I've always wondered: do they build them slightly weaker? Yes, they basically they gut them out. They're hollow, ah. more or less. So that's kind of uh, what happens there. Um, Lesnar and Rock start battling back in the ring. We start going into the closing sequence of this match, where the Rock hits his finishing move. Brock kicks out, and then Brock hits Rock's finishing move, which is the Rock Bomb. That's so confusing. It is. Brock hits the rock bottom, to which the announcer Taz goes... Brock bottom? Brock bottom? (laughs) Some kind of Brock bottom here. Yeah, Lesnar ends up winning later on in the match, hitting... um, He hits the F5, which is his finishing move. uh, Quite a scary one. Yeah. Called F5 after a hurricane, obviously, because he flips you around. Right. The rock kind of just is this amazing sequence of him trying to escape and get out of it, but Lesnar just overpowers him. Mm. Hits that F5... Wins the championship belt, and this is like at the time it was the youngest WWE champion of all time, and at the time as well, it was the shortest amount of time from a debut to winning the world championship. Wow! And Lesnar does that little scream, the war scream it's when he really wins. Really scary. How would you describe it, Joe? Mm, it's just like his soul is falling out of his body. What to be, a way to describe it? Because we paused it to get a picture because it was funny, and then I I pause play pause play just to make it kind of go forward, and it looked like kind of a penis becoming more erect and just kind of getting more veiny and filling up more space. I'll uh, include screenshots of it in uh, in my episode notes. It's just so creepy. The other thing it kind of reminded me of was a chest burster, just kind of going, Bleh! you know, kind of his little teeth and like his scary little beady Imagine eyes. A chest burster with. Uh, Brock Lesnar's face on it. Oh, duh. (laughs) What did you think of Rock versus Brock? Oh, it was really good. Incredible match. Yeah, I loved all the attacking of Paul Heyman, which was surprising. Yeah, Heyman got involved. Yeah, injured and thrown into tables much these days. Yeah, it's true. Heyman's uh, slightly more protected now. But yeah, Lesnar wins this, wins the championship and begins a rather lengthy title reign. So Lesnar had a long and productive reign as WWE champion. Quite shortly after this, by the time we got to the winter, the inevitable thing had happened where the fans were, you could tell here, the fans just loved Lesnar. Yeah. They loved his style. They loved like the kind of the legitimacy or whatever. They loved him. He was just had this amazing charisma, even though he couldn't really speak that much. That's the thing, yeah. Um, in-ring charisma, isn't it? Yeah, he's got the kind of the silent charisma. I don't know what it is. You kind of look yeah. at the guy and you kind of believe it yeah can convey the emotions necessarily without the verbiage but you know Lesnar did eventually split from Heyman by the time we got into winter because obviously he was becoming a good guy and the obvious storyline to do is Paul Heyman the evil manager tries to get a bunch of guys to unseat Brock Lesnar and uh, Lesnar would eventually um during this time Lesnar had some really amazing matches and some ones I would definitely recommend that people check out are 
him versus Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 19 and his follow-up match with him at that SummerSlam as well. We watched uh, just the clip from that WrestleMania 19 of Lesnar attempting the shooting star splash, which is the backwards flipping moonsault. Oh, and it goes wrong. And it right in his head. Yeah, that looks scary. Really I didn't know scary. he could even do that, though. I mean, yeah. fucking hell, that man can fly. It was something he actually used to do in like the developmental before he was on TV. There's ah. like footage of him doing a dark match. It's him doing it. just so strange seeing someone like Brock Lesnar who, I mean, I know he's incredibly athletically talented. Yeah. But you just don't imagine him doing flip-de-doos and yet he did. He can and he did. Even and though he's fucking huge. And even though the guy who was doing it to had a broken neck and he broke his neck doing it, he still managed to do it. The rumour was, Lesnar I think had said that he was told to do it. And by Jim Ross. Okay. That was the uh, the, the rumour was that, you know, and he was unhappy apparently that he was told to do it. Now, I don't think he was told to do it, but it may have been kind of given something on the lines of, you know, it's WrestleMania and you know you can do that big flip and that would be pretty damn spectacular. So you was know? it really awkward then when, because WrestleMania, it's a huge show, when yeah. he flipped and hurt his neck? Oh, it... we, we thought he would killed himself. Really? Like, seriously, he landed so... right on his head. So what happened after... The match ended quickly, pretty shortly thereafter, you know. But at the end of that match, both guys were out for, like, uh, Kurt was out for months and Lesnar was out for around a month or two. They were both so banged up. And I suppose when you had, like, this period in wrestling, you had on SmackDown now someone like Lesnar, people like Kurt Angle. uh, These are the kinds of names that were around where it was an intense, technical, hard-hitting style. uh, Mm. Kind of like a less flippy version of what you see in NXT at the moment. And, um, yeah, guys got hurt, I guess. But Lesnar had a really big long run as a good guy. Before eventually turning heel again and having another run with the championship, this time as being just this domineering monster, Mm. which the fans really could get behind him being quite scary. (laughs) I wonder why. I wonder why. There was persistent rumours, though, because Lesnar's real time, he only had around a year and a bit, a year and a half, where he was actually active on the roster. And around halfway through that time, rumours were out that Lesnar did not like the travel, didn't like the appearances, didn't like the the stuff that comes with wrestling besides the wrestling. Yeah. Because you remember we mentioned Minnesota farm boy, Mm. Brock Lesnar. Can you imagine Brock Lesnar in 2002 after the September 11th attacks with the heightened security in airports that had come after decades of lax airport security? Because everyone was like, do you ever get on a plane before? before Yeah, but I was pretty young when 9-11 happened. I think I was like 11. I'm just saying, can you imagine... In 2002, someone telling Brock Lesnar to take off his goddamn shoes and put them in the x-ray. No. Can you imagine how horrible that would be? That must be actually the worst job ever. Literally the worst job in the world. Did anyone ever die from that? Possibly. Cause of death. Do you know what Lesnar did at this point to avoid the, the, the pains of, of travel? Did this, he drive everywhere? No, he bought a jet. He oh bought my a jet. God. Lesnar had his own private jet. You know who else is a private jet in WWE? Vince McMahon. That's it. Really? Yes. The How? cost of a jet is ridiculous, apparently. How come he can afford a jet? He was on, they signed him to big money. You know, and he was the champion as well during quite a... And he sold a lot of merchandise and he was the main event on most of the show. So he was getting the big bonuses. He was the, the top guy um, on, on one of the brands for, you know, a good chunk of time. So, And his view as well was that it was like an investment into his longevity. So he would have this jet and that would mean that he would be able to work for, for longer. 
I don't. I don't think jets are that expensive, are they? I don't know. I, I, don't, I think, as far as I know, it's. I had a friend, family friend who uh, they sold their jet to buy a piano. So <laughs> I just had this nice vision of us down the pub now, kind of going, uh, the real thing, what kills you with getting the jet, though, is the jet fuel. I bet and that's it. The classes, Jet parking these days. Can yeah, you fucking hangar, hangar insurance? Fucking hell. The you rent know, for the car parking alone, I think. Those little it. peanuts that you have to put. And oh. Those don't stock themselves, people. Wake up. You know? Flight attendants. Yeah, let's just get some flight attendant, obviously. Lesnar was basically towards the end of his time in WWE where it was apparent that he didn't want to re-sign with them. He had had enough. And by the time it comes to WrestleMania 20, which at the time, obviously, 20 WrestleManias, that's going to be the big one, right? WrestleMania 20 in front of Madison Square Garden, which is WWE's most famous arena to be associated with it, New York City. Brock Lesnar was meant to take on another big heavy-hitting superstar, which is Goldberg, who was one of the big stars from WCW. Whew, this one was... Um... I didn't realise, I didn't put two and two together, of course. This must have been... Because, I mean, this match is awkward. Mm-hmm. We'll go into more detail why that's awkward in a second. But like, like you were saying, this is going to be a big show. Huge show. Considering what happens in this match... <laughs> That's really Massive weird letter. to think about. Yeah. Did, did you watch this one live? Right. I mean, to tell you, this was this happened. Okay, this match was put together around in January of this of the year, two thousand and four. It was, and it was Goldberg and Lesnar, and this was like the two kind of guys of the different brands who were the two heavy hitters, the two like superheroes. And I can't begin to tell you how me and all the guys in school who love Lesnar and also love Goldberg were so psyched about it. Because they, they never got their hands on each other. We stayed up until it was two in the morning the show started or whenever it was. This show was four and a half hours long. Mm, 2004, you'd have been, what, 16? Uh, 15, I think I was, oh, just at this point. little 15-year-old. 15 15-year-old. This match fucking starts. All of us are all up. There's like 20 guys all snuck down. I'll sit down because we're in boarding school. I'll sit down to watch. What? Don't tell. Shh, don't tell teacher. We're gonna watch the greatest match of all goddamn time: Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. Do you know what it's like at four in the morning for a room to slowly empty of people and a bond of friendship between jocks and nerds to be slowly broken up as everyone stands up and realizes this isn't cool anymore. Brock Lesnar isn't cool anymore. The dream was over. Oh, it was horrible. That's heartbreaking. In a nutshell, this match, the story is as follows. Brock Lesnar's meant to fight Goldberg. Brock Lesnar's decided he's got to go be in NFL instead the night after. Goldberg has decided that he's got to go and not be a wrestler anymore after this. Yet we have to have a match. And neither man came here ready to compete, let's just say. Neither of them give a f- single shit. No, absolutely. No love in this match whatsoever. Oh, and Steve Austin is the special guest referee. That was the one thing going into this match. I thought, you know, this will be pretty fun for Joe anyway. And a lot of people who are maybe following along with us because you know Steve Austin, the character yeah. now. So you know that him being inserted into this match is at least a point of interest. Yeah. Or the only point of it. I think interest. it was the only saving grace, really, yeah, on only the whole thing. thing. Oh, Brock Lesnar oh, in the yeah. promo for this, doing the hype up. He was not um, particularly well spoken. His voice doesn't match his body. Give me Goldberg! Except it kind of matches his, his weird baby face. Because of you, Bill, 
I can't sleep at night. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> it's really weird because in the promo thing beforehand, Brock gets down his knees and he literally begs to fight Goldberg. Yeah. And then they come on and they don't give a shit. These two like, wanted. These two wanted to fight each other so much, and the storyline was that Vince McMahon, the owner, was like, "Now, quite frankly, if Brock Lesnar and Goldberg were to wrestle at WrestleMania." Quite frankly, I think the building would disintegrate because it would be just too awesome. These two guys, if they were to wrestle, it would be the greatest thing. It would be the biggest match ever. And so they kept them apart. At the end of this promo, where it's like, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg, you're next. Madison Square Garden. Do you know what happened when I was watching this? One of the senior rugby team players, he was like one of the top guys, stood up and headbutted a bin and went, Yeah! <laughs> we were ready! Oh, we were no. so ready! Oh, I can only imagine the atmosphere in the room. Because, I mean, even I was disappointed, imagine, but even you watching this for the first time, I mean, you were disappointed with this, I think. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't. You said well in advance this is not a good match and I'm very sorry to have to show this to you mm. but it's important and so I set my expectations very low as it turned out although it was really boring in some ways it's also really silly yeah but not silly in the enjoyable <clears throat> way maybe that like the HBK no. Hulk Hogan encounter was that we watched not intentionally silly no kind of very much we're laughing at you WWE kind of silly Steve Austin sets the mood for the evening by coming out in an ATV <laughs> Fucking just drives on in on an ATV for like seemingly no reason. Love it. It's his little vehicle. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And he says like, if you want to match with Goldberg and then Brock Lesnar steals it, just fucking nicks it. Yeah, he nicked the man's ATV. And drives off with it. I, I should have smelled that there was a, a, a rat in this where the main build up for this was not kind of what's going to happen when these two wrestle. It slowly in the last week became what's going to happen when Steve Austin referees this match. Mm. Which led me to believe that, yeah, they figured out towards the end that... This one was not going to be what it was meant to be. Jim Ross called Steve Austin a stud. Oh, a stud. Like my granny might say. Your oh, granny called that, people a stud. That stud muffin. What a your, nice young man. Your granny actually called people stud well, muffins. Well, not my granny, but grannies do that. Do they? Yeah. There's a, there's a very specific wrestling personality who uses the term stud muffin. Really? And he would be, I would say, if I if I saw a granny and I said, right, can you give me the opposite of that in every way? <laughs> no, I really much associate stud and stud muffin as being said by a little old lady. Oh, what a stud muffin. Oh, man. Jim Ross calls people studs all the goddamn time. It's my favourite thing. Look at this stud. It means he's yeah. a young, impressive wrestler who I don't really care about. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he's young. He's mean. He's a stud. <laughs> Goldberg coming out, he's got a special entrance, obviously, which you weren't aware of. It's a special entrance that he just spits everywhere. And someone has to knock politely on his door. Your wake-up call, Mr. Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he's at his entrance every time he comes out of a door and yeah, walks. Yeah, the knock on the door, oh. Goldberg has to walk out with the entourage. It was his special surprise for being Goldberg. All I could think about was just that he was spitting everywhere. It was just really disgusting. He hacks and spits. and um, Obviously, I, don't say, I will say to you at this point, don't judge... Bill Goldberg by oh, what you've I seen won't. here tonight because well, I wouldn't judge Brock Lesnar on this alone yeah so, exactly yeah, and, it, and you know what Lesnar is capable obviously yeah. not in this match Goldberg a different beast but I think it would be interesting to do an episode on him but yeah. these two locking up I mean they didn't really wrestle did they <laughs> it depends on your definition of wrestling I guess 
They did a lot of grappling. They kind of, if your definition of wrestling is standing around as the crowd chant, you sold out, you sold out. It says a lot that the Hulk Hogan's match with Andre the Giant looks exciting in comparison with Mm, this match. The work rate. Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. (laughs) If you went to me before we watched this match and said, Joe, did you know that out there there is a match with Brock Lesnar and a guy who's also really good called Goldberg? And it's actually less interesting than that match with Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. I would laugh at you. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I would expect you to have. It. I mean, like, it's just so interesting, though, isn't it, to look at that match that you know took place, uh, the, the the Hogan one, where they're doing so little and the crowd are gasping. Yeah. To see how different wrestling became. Yeah. Where these guys are trying to do this whole kind of, uh, we'll give them this, that'll be fine, and the crowd are like, no, that's not good enough. Brock Lesnar. The goatee started to grow before this match is not good. How little could you care? He's starting to grow a goatee. You were so pissed off with that goatee. It was infuriating. Just that he'd kind of got a couple of days worth. Not enough to be a goatee. The funny thing was, (laughs) you have Goldberg and Steve Austin, who are both like men with very short, if not bald heads. Yeah. Um, in black speedos with like black knee pads, you've got Brock Lesnar, kind of same thing. Yeah. They've both got goatees, and now he's got like it's like he's rubbing off from them. Oh, it's such a bad goatee, though. It's really bad. It's so fucking Sometimes bad. Kind of see it reflect light, and you're like, is that a goatee, or is it like a sheen of sweat on his upper lip? I, I mean, I'll tell you, if you're someone like you know. I'm obviously fully bearded. You're very privileged you know. to have a fully beard. And I'm fully bearded, but you know what? There, are, there's been a few times there. Sick kid say point was where I shaved off my beard into a mustache, so oh, obviously yeah. I had to grow back. And I'm very careful about you know when the time is to grow back. I remember when I grew back, I had the mustache and I wanted to grow back my beard. Yeah. It was like I went home for Christmas, and it was during the interesting period where I was just kind of I was I was I was shut away from everyone else. I went Out home for the Christmas. Public spotlight. Out of the public spotlight. Because <laughs> if you're growing in something, you look like a. F- Fucking, yeah. you look like a tramp like yeah. the you best know? way is to, if you want a moustache as well never grow moustache first grow the beard shave off the beard yeah. keep the moustache and like here to think that you're going to start growing it and this is Wrestlemania 20 and the fact that he'd shaved it into a goatee leave it as so a full stubble wait till it's grown in then shave it into the star you- Joe you, you made some interesting uh, notes here about how many minutes it had been since they had moved yeah, I said it's been many minutes since they've moved. I did basically a running commentary for the notes for this match because it was easy. I was looking over and go, man, Joe's really pissed off this match. He's writing so much. Fucking typing loads. Yeah, so I wrote, it's been many minutes since they've moved. They're just standing there. They're all chanting for Austin and he did a little smile. That was the nicest moment where like Austin, the crowd just start chanting whatever they want to. Yeah. And the crowd chant Austin and Austin just has this big, oh, shucks. I was actually typing at that point and you were like, did you see that? Did you see that? Austin did a little smile. We went back and then I saw the little smile. I was like, right, writing that down. Wrestling dad is happy. Cute dad. Then back to the action. More grappling. Slowly. Slow grappling. Jim Ross on commentary tried to cover it by going, these two bulls just grappling. I have to say, those commentators did a fantastic job with nothing there. They tried so hard. Jim Ross is like, people didn't expect to see this kind of contest. It doesn't take away. If, if I from was a- one of them, I'd be fucking pissed off. I'd be like, that's really unprofessional what you guys did. Mm. You make us 
you're giving us a really hard time here as commentators. They, fucking, they do, they do. Like, and it's funny because like Jim uh, Jerry Lawler is kind of like, oh, you know, there's some people booing for Goldberg. That's because you know he's from the the Raw brand and Brock is from yeah. the SmackDown brand. It's like, look at you, clever old wizard. It takes a lot of skill, doesn't it? Clearly. It does. It's quite hard when people are screaming, "You sold out!" and this match sucks and boring. Oh yeah. I do remember the the point I decided I went to bed after this uh, when I was watching <laughs> this because I think I was sat there it was me and like one other guy and everyone else had left and we were sat there watching this and the crowd just going boring 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 I'm like all right it is you win I'm going to bed <laughs> fuck this. Well, I don't understand right. <clears throat> so they don't give a shit they're both mm-hmm. leaving the next day. Mm-hmm. Right? I can understand why they don't really care. Why does that mean, just because they don't care, they're not going to put on a show? A couple of factors into that. Um, one, not only were both of these guys leaving, they were leaving with bad tastes in their mouth. Why? Disagreements. Uh, Goldberg didn't like how he was booked. Right. Lesnar didn't like how he was being booked. Lesnar hated the travel. He hated the schedule. Lesnar wanted to work less dates. Lesnar thought he should get more money. Goldberg just had a one-year contract with them and hated the experience. So both of these guys were leaving... I'm not just kind of going, well, guys, it's been nice. It's like, fuck this place. This has been a shit year. I've been mishandled and mistreated. Hmm. Second factor in that is that Goldberg is not a 20-minute match kind of guy. He's a 30-second match kind of guy. Oh, okay. That was usually his speed, and Goldberg struggled greatly adjusting to having to wrestle, like, a length of time. Right. And the crowd kind of maybe got to them, I think. Because right. this looked like they grappled, they locked up, and the crowd was saying boring, and it really just felt like they went, well, I'll show you boring. We've got 15 minutes but to kill, I'll show you boring. They didn't chant boring that early on into the match. Like, there was all this standing around at the beginning. Yeah. You could see they didn't care from the it, moment they stepped into the ring. In fairness, the crowd actually, they gave them the first two minutes. They did. They did say, right, show us what you got, yeah. and then straight away, fuck it, No. They did, and you're right. They looked. They didn't even look like when they were walking out, like they were excited no. to be there. And again, I think it's a big, noticeable criticism for Lesnar. People will say this time and time again, and it's very evident this match. Uh, lack of passion. I just think it's really unprofessional. Mm. It just makes them look bad. But I mean, when people say lack of passion, I guess it's like he doesn't love wrestling. He doesn't love WWE. He doesn't think it's awesome that he's a wrestler. He doesn't care. But even about if you don't care, don't you history? care about like your own self-pride, your own personal ability to do things properly? Yeah, I guess I think that was it, really. Because like, but, I say mean, I have to go into work one day and I have to do something that I absolutely hate doing, I would still do my best. Mm. <laughs> like I wouldn't just be like, right, I'm not doing it at all then. I'm just going to do a shit job. I Maybe guess it just shows the extent of the... Because he was someone who was pissed off and he was leaving and then he was put in a kind of a shit situation, which is a match with Goldberg that he probably wasn't able to 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 work around but i mean the lack of passion that people say is because because he doesn't enjoy it and because he doesn't have a love for it that when push comes to shove and if business doesn't go the way he likes it then he's just gonna say well fuck it because i don't care because i know i'm good and i know i've got value elsewhere i don't care enough about the medium of wrestling to give you something because I don't even like it's it. It's not much. just the medium of wrestling, okay? It shows that he doesn't care about A, the medium of wrestling, B, the fans. Oh, he doesn't give a shit about the fans. C, any of the other employees for the company, and like he do- the commentators. He and it just shows such lack of giving a single shit at all about anyone. I, I honestly think, I don't think the man is not civil in terms of like, I don't think he's around backstage currently and he, like, he hates everyone. 
But I'm pretty sure that Brock Lesnar, when he comes to wrestling, has his own room. He travels on his own or with whoever his entourage is. He doesn't have any dealings with anyone other than a select few people. And that's the way he likes it because Brock Lesnar lives in Saskatchewan in Canada and hates people. And does he doesn't... I don't think he's 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 antisocial. I think I guess is the best word to describe him. So bizarre. It I is. Just, it's bizarre. Yeah. I can't imagine giving so little of a fuck. And I think if you're someone who's genuinely passionate about wrestling, I think it does. It's. I understand why people don't like Lesnar. If you don't love, if you don't love this, then he's why? kind of like just being. He's just disrespecting kind of so much of it. Yeah. I mean, if there was a football player who was kick ass at football but didn't really give a shit about football. You know, mm. or there's like you know there was a famous tennis player who like was awesome at tennis, but he fucking hated tennis and he always had meltdowns on the court because just, of it. You know, it's just all those people who like bought tickets to to that show. He don't give a fuck about. He just him, to doesn't be care that he's wasted their money. Yeah, he's made all those poor kids like you when you were fifteen break the school rules <laughs> and get a pirated copy of the stream. And then <laughs> hey, you know everything you love about your favorite thing. Yeah, well, I'm just gonna shit all over it. Yeah, back to the action. More grappling. More grappling. More. All right, they just stare. They grapple for like fucking ten minutes. Yeah. The indignity of it is by the time they actually start to do a move, where I think you know Lesnar hits a spear or Goldberg hits a spear, mm. they actually start to rally and think, oh, here it comes. And then they each hit each other, they each hit a finisher, and then Lesnar goes for his finisher again, and Goldberg hits his finisher a second time, and that's just it. Yeah. And everyone was like, what's Steve Austin going to do in the match? He did nothing other than smile when he heard his name. Yep, that's <laughs> yeah. pretty much the extent of his uh, input there. <laughs> and at this, to really highlight, I guess, uh, the, the lack of respect or appreciation for the fans that some will point to, what happened at the end of this match where Lesnar stands in the ring... And he's face to face with Austin, and his first idea is to turn to the crowd and flip them the bird. He gives the double middle fingers to the crowd. Yeah. To a real, genuinely like, well, okay, we get it. You don't. It's care. fucking rude. It's when he, real rude. When he did that, it was very. I was like, right, you shan't be missed then, I guess. Yeah. And it was. I was fucking devastated when this happened because he was someone who I thought was going to bring wrestling into this cool new era you know, this legitimate error or whatever. And then he kind of goes as quickly as he's, as he came yeah. and he leaves under such, there's a few times the wrestling when someone leaves where you think, well, that guy's never coming back. And the way Lesnar left after this, giving the fingers to the crowd, getting stung by Austin, I'm like, right, he ain't never coming yeah. back. Cause you know, what came soon after this, after Lesnar left, mm-hmm. it was a lawsuit. Really? Yeah, multi-million dollar lawsuit. What about? Um, they were suing him because he tried to start wrestling in another company or like um, he wanted to appear somewhere else quite quickly and they were suing him for breach of contract saying that he couldn't appear quite quickly. So they, they were involved and then they came, there was countersuits and all that stuff. They were in litigation for a few years though. Wow. And like Lesnar wasn't allowed to use the name F5 for his finishing move. He wasn't allowed to appear in an American wrestling event for like the next five years. Oh my God. He had this kind of big... And Lesnar got that famous tattoo of the sword, brackets, Willy, that's pointed at his neck. He got that tattoo around this time because he felt like they had put the the knife to his throat. And he said that was his reaction to it. Yeah. 
Ugh. The only thing better than a shit tattoo is a shit tattoo with a lame story behind it. Yeah, they put the dick to my throat. They put a di- Imagine visiting a man with his dick on his throat. Come on, you son of a bitch. Ugh. You got my dick right in your throat. Sign the goddamn contract, Ugh. you son of a bitch. <laughs> so Lesnar was gone. Were you surprised to see him leave in such a... Yeah. Such a way. Controversial circumstances. Because he's like treated like a god now. Yeah. It... It's really interesting because on the whole, I thought, going into this episode, I thought everyone would really, really love Brock Lesnar. Mm. And instead, it seems that a lot of people are kind of like, well, I love his wrestling, but I really don't like You've got issues him. with him, the, the politics or the... the yeah. And the only other person we've really covered like that um, was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. it's it, the, the accusation of being self-centered or mm. just concerned about oneself. I do think to an element that Hogan ultimately does respect or did respect the, the wrestling world, whichever way you want to put it. But I think Lesnar... I think Lesnar made friends with a veteran at the time called Mr. Perfect. And he was just back with the company for a short period. I think he kind of took him under his wing. He was a guy from Minnesota as well. And I do believe at that time he influenced him heavily in terms of, he said, get in to get out. Get into the wrestling business so you can make money and leave the wrestling business. And he was very much the mentality, get in, make your money, make as much money as you can. You're not here to make friends. Do what you can so then you can provide for your family and make a name for yourself out of this. But don't, you know, be under the illusion that this is like a... A family or a kind of we're here to all be buddy buddies. Why not? Why can't you do both? It's a mentality what, that a lot of wrestlers have. Being friends with people somehow means you can't be professional. It's a sad thing we'll realise as we go through a lot of it where, you know, even though, for instance, Steve Austin is on great terms with, say, The Rock or Mick Foley or whatever, it's not as if they're all like hanging out at each other's houses. There aren't many long-term actual friends in wrestling. That's really sad. Why is friendship seen as like a weakness or something? Well, like, I think CM Punk mentioned, you know, after he left, he's a wrestler who left recently, yeah. saying that the people who kept in contact with him, he was like, maybe got a text message from one or two guys. That was really yeah. it. Because it's like, you're not part of this anymore. We're not working together. There's, you know, that's it. Like, you know? I guess that's why it's so nice to see things like on um, NXT the other night, we had... Oh, ba- Bailey when she took on Sasha. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we had Bailey versus Sasha, and at the end Bailey wins, and all the girls come in, and they all start crying and hugging each other and stuff. Yeah. It's just really nice. Yeah, Lesnar is not of that mentality, and a lot of them, a lot of people aren't. Lesnar, other than Paul Heyman, does not have friends in the wrestling business. I would say he there's a list of people with whom he respects or whatever, but I don't think he's like he's not a brother. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. He's not a good brother. You know. Yeah. And I suppose the difference between Lesnar and Hogan, I guess. Is that Lesnar's probably more upfront about it? Yeah. Lesnar's not going to go, oh, you know, I'm here for you. Know, I'm here Best to help friends you with that best guy. Best friends with yeah. that guy. Lesnar ain't going to turn around when someone, you know, passes away and kind of like, I was best friend. Lesnar don't care that people, you know. I don't know which is worse. Sense, you know. I suppose, I mean, the honesty you can appreciate in some way or another. Not really. There's a difference between honesty and rudeness. Yeah. Lesnar is, um, you could say, a rude man. Yeah. Lesnar's exploits after leaving WWF. It was a bit of a rocky road for him at the start because when he left, you had the obviously the litigation. He wanted to join the NFL, the National Football League. Wow! And he didn't make. He was finally selected for a team. He didn't get get it in straight away, but he was meant to be with the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. And then I think that he dropped out of like a training camp, or he wasn't selected. He then it was like the rumor was that he was going to do American football in Europe, and they were going to send him there. And Lesnar was like. No, because I wanted to do NFL to make money. So he was gone then. Wow. And uh, it was, for a few years, it was touch and go. He did some wrestling in Japan. 
there was constant rumours he was going to join TNA, the, the wrestling company. But where Lesnar ended up making his impact in his statement was actually in the UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Mixed martial arts or MMA as it's known. I'm going to say right now, I'm not nowhere near shape or an expert on MMA in any way, shape or form. I'm not going to go through Lesnar ma- matches in, in UFC. Because A... Don't know how to watch them because I'm not paying for a UFC fight pass. And B, you know, I wouldn't know what to say on them because I'm not, I'm not an observer or a commenter on that. So we didn't watch Lesnar UFC stuff. I don't really know much about MMA stuff except that it's those one of those things that if you ever mention you like wrestling, if anyone's ever watched any MMA in their life, they'll immediately say it's like a compulsion to go. Yeah. You know, wrestling's not real, right? And but MMA is and MMA it's, is really, real. it's way better. MMA is way better. MMA is real. Wrestling's fake and it's for babies. You know what I actually am uh, Brian Zane, uh, Wrestling with Regret did a great video discussing the kind of the seemingly the beef or the issue between wrestling fans and, and MMA fans. Yeah. And the thing that MMA fans will never admit something I mean I think MMA and is can be incredibly interesting and amazing and Lesnar certainly made me a fan of UFC and his matches, and I followed his career because it was just this fucking superstar of pro wrestling is joining UFC, and wow, that was, that was really cool. But um, Lesnar definitely brought a bit of the pro wrestling to the world of MMA. Yeah. When you see guys in MMA talk cutting a promo about the guy they're going to be fighting next week, or talking about how the town that they're going to be fighting in sucks. I said that to someone the other day. I was saying how MMA is supposedly a bit scripted these days. And the response I got was fucking indignant. Like, oh, how God. dare you suggest I'm, I'm that? not saying by any means, I wouldn't say that there's writers writing promos for people. I am saying that two people who are going to fight in Canada or say Maybe Puerto Rico say are going to sit down and go, right, you're the hometown boy in Puerto Rico. Maybe I'm going to, you know, say some shit and yeah. you'll say some shit and we'll get a lot of money out of this. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I don't know why people are so protective about it how how dare you ascribe characteristics to this fight how dare you bring showmanship in to what's going on and i remember lesnar he had like there was a fight he had and afterwards he like the post-match interview he was just full-on heel lesnar and he's like hey brock what are you gonna do after this fight and he's like i don't give a shit about this you i don't give a shit about ufc i don't give a shit about the fans I hate Bud Light, which was the sponsor. I'm going to go home, lay on my wife. And he just walked away and everyone was like, Boo! Wow. Completely disrespected the tradition. And again, I think Lesnar probably has a lot more respect for, for UFC than he would let on that he has for, for WWE. I've heard people mention that he apparently is a bit of a suck-up to Dana... What's his name? Dana, Dana White. Dana yeah, White, yeah. Definitely. But Lesnar, whatever people are going to say about if his thing was a success or not, but Lesnar... Was a champion. Uh, he won championship once. Then he obviously was suspended. Then he won like the the unified championship. But he he's he won a lot of high profile matches. He also lost a lot of high profile matches. But Lesnar also in the midst of this was going through diverticulitis, which is a horrible, disgusting disease which causes an inflammation of the lower intestine. I know a lot about it because I've read both Brock Lesnar's autobiography and Stuart Lee's autobiography. You've read Brock Lesnar's autobiography? Death Clutch. Yes, I have. Wow. Written in conjunction with Paul Heyman. And so what, does Stuart Lee also have this then? Stuart Lee also got diverticulitis. Wow, Stuart Lee and Brock Lesnar both suffer from the same disease. Now, the causes and the treatment and the experiences of the diseases were, were obviously quite different. Uh, Lesnar obviously got diverticulitis. I think it was because of just the level of workout or pressure he put on his body. He had some sort of infection and it just caused like a rupture 
and that was you know it's, you're basically your intestines are unraveling essentially in the body ah! that's uh, that you get quite sick because the body is absorbing a lot of stuff it shouldn't be oh, and Lesnar's guts basically got too big for his body and he had to get like a foot removed from it oh god yeah. I thought for a second you were going to say he had to get a foot removed oh no a stop. foot of int- no it's, it's like, not what? a human foot it's only a foot of intestines <laughs> oh thank, thank god, god that. that probably had shit in them but anyway Lesnar got it because of that Stuart Lee got it because he ate nothing but Ginster's pasties for six God years. Uh, Brock Lesnar had a foot of his of his large intestine removed. Stuart Lee had to eat nothing but baked potatoes for six months. So you know, every, what? yeah, because they have problems with the digestion afterwards. You have to get a oh lot of fiber. God. Plain baked potato is how you do that. Seriously, six months. And I just like the idea somewhere down the line, if Stuart Lee could meet Brock Lesnar, that they could have a protracted conversation about good ways to source. Good baked potatoes when on the move because both travel. Stuart Lee's far too nice for Brock Lesnar. Yeah, seriously. But both afflicted by the same illness. Speaking of his surgery about having to get all his intestine inches removed. Yeah. Um, I showed you the other day a rumour article about how he may not have had the surgery. Oh, the conspiracy the theory. The conspiracy yeah. theory that apparently some people have that he didn't actually have the surgery. But actually... He uh, he's just really shit. Yeah, he's awful at an MMA and he's awful at wrestling. And they faked this whole thing. Yeah. because of that. Because obviously Brock Lesnar, you know, the eloquent beast that he is, could wham. I just I didn't buy it because it involved a web of lies. Jet planes don't melt steel beams. What's the meme? Brock Lesnar <laughs> was a lizard all along. God damn it! I knew it. The Illuminati, the Lally Lule Lo. It was Brock Lesnar all along. I, I don't buy it, because uh, mainly because um, it would involve Brock Lesnar saying to a doctor, and you're going to tell these people that that you took out a foot of my intestine. It would be Paul Heyman who'd tell them. Yeah, probably. My <laughs> client had a foot of his intestines roof, but I never did. My client had a foot of his intestines roof. <laughs> So, yeah, I couldn't see that happening. I mean, I'm no medical professional, but he doesn't have the scar where other people have had it. So, uh, Mike, Yeah, we look, we were looking at pictures. My counter argument to that was him saying, Doc, I'm a fighter, I'm whatever, you know, can you cut lower down so I can have it above my, below my belt line? But why do you want to? Yeah, it's a cool scar. Yeah, if you've got a cool scar that people can just punch and hurt him. Oh, you know, I see. Target for, for MMA. Uh. But Lesnar's kind of big comeback really, had, unfortunately, he had second bout of diverticulitis. He came back, he felt like a new man. He won in a really impressive return match, which again was, what was interesting at the time was that you were seeing in UFC that he was being accompanied out with, with Paul Heyman. Yeah. And Paul Heyman, who was with his own WWE exile, was now again talking about Brock Lesnar and him as a fighter and how he was helping him out. Real life best friends. Oh. Real life, they were paired together obviously for that angle, but because both of them had just had, uh, I think they both had had a daughter at that point. Right. Lesnar. Brock Lesnar has a daughter. Yeah, Lesnar's got a a daughter and he's got a couple of kids. Really? And Heyman's got a boy and a girl, and they both had like a newborn daughter around the same time, and they were paired together on the road, so they became quite close because they're both quite private individuals as well. And I think Lesnar trusts Heyman, vice versa. And yeah, they became quite good friends. And it was amazing at this point. It really stirred my interest to see Heyman, who was seemingly never going to be heard from again, talking with Lesnar now in this UFC environment. 
And there was even actually a point after a, a big uh, UFC fight that Lesnar lost against, I think it was a guy called Alistair Overeem. And afterwards, The Undertaker, who was there as a fan, right. solely as a fan and a guest, Undertaker was being interviewed, just like, oh, you're here, you know, afterwards. You know, How did you enjoy the fight? He's like, oh, it was pretty good. And then Lesnar just walked up and stared right in front of him. And then Taker just went, you want to do it? And they stared at each other and the interviewer was like, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck? And the internet was just a lie. Like, is is Brock Lesnar coming back to wrestling to fight the internet? That was seriously sent shockwaves. And it, immediately, I think that made people realise how much money there was in Lesnar coming back to wrestling. Wow. So yeah, it was a big deal. Big, big deal. And before you knew it, 2012 rolls around and who's coming back to professional wrestling with a deal unlike any other, Brock Lesnar returns to wrestling on a fully part-time basis. So, I have heard lots of things about how he doesn't work many hours, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't do many matches, but gets paid loads. Mm. So what kind of can you compare that to in terms of other wrestlers? Um, I would say in terms of other wrestlers, this deal that he has is unlike any other that has ever been in Does wrestling. Does he get paid more than John Cena? I don't know if he gets paid more. I would say that Cena probably makes more altogether with the... Um, but Cena has a really with, high with the, work with the, mer- with the merchandise and whatnot. And because Cena makes more appearances, I think that Cena probably makes more altogether. That being said, if there's a show and Lesnar's on the show and Cena's on the show, I think the most amount of money on that night will probably be going to Lesnar. Wow. Any show that Lesnar's on, he's taken the, the bonus, so to speak, if there is one. So, very well paid, has to appear for, I think originally it was like four pay-per-view events in the, in the entire calendar year. What does so he spend his huge amounts of money on other than a jet? If he lives up in the middle of nowhere. I think he just hoards. Nice axes. Hoards, he's probably, knowing Lesnar, he's probably preparing for the end of the world and is putting, turning his money into gold and burying it in his fucking house. Wow. But yeah, he works maybe four pay-per-views. There was like a couple of dozen or so uh, TV appearances that's appearing on Monday Night Raw for mm. instance uh, he'll never appear on a smaller show like Smackdown or anything like that and then he didn't have to do house shows so like non-televised events where the WWE comes to your town Lesnar doesn't have to show up for those wow. like, so Lesnar basically works his own schedule and he, he arrives you know he doesn't arrive at the start of the day he'll arrive maybe 10-20 minutes before he goes out has his own locker room own area own people he'll go out he'll wrestle he'll come back again deals with only his people, and he gets fuckloads of money. People were up in arms about this when he returned. Because how dare you return to wrestling and not be here full-time? No passion, no loyalty, no love for wrestling. He's making more money than uh, Dolph Ziggler, and he works his ass out every night. He's at every show. Goddamn this brought Lesnar. I viewed it like this. He's an attraction. He can't wrestle every week. Yeah. You know, if Brock Lesnar is out every single week, then he's no longer special. Yeah, no, there's definitely kind of a need for him to be rare in yeah. a way because it makes it feel like a big deal. Because if you see him every week, yeah, it's not going to be. You lose that, yeah. Yeah. I remember, like, when we watched, I remember any time Lesnar was on when he was feuding with Seth, I was like, come here now because mm. Brock's on Raw. It's an event. He's got to smash up a car with an axe, you know? <laughs> I think if he saw him every week, it wouldn't be. Yeah, no, I wouldn't really I, care as I much. I wouldn't want to see him that much. It would much. definitely weaken his brand. He'd have to, like, lose more, or mm. everyone else would just get squashed. Because he, yeah. anytime he wrestles with most people, like when he ref- wrestled Kofi Kingston from The New Day, he squashed him in, like, ten seconds. Yeah. You know, he's on, he's on a different level, I think, to other people. So, the return that happened 
was centered around him attacking John Cena. And the return match, which we watched, was John Cena taking on Brock Lesnar from Extreme Rules 2012. Lesnar's first match for WWE in eight years. Yeah. How crazy is that? It's weird that he doesn't look a huge amount older. He looked, he looked though, compared to his perfect blemish-free, you know, baby Hulk body, he looked like he had been through a few years of something. (laughs) Living up a hill in the middle of nowhere. Because he's got a few, like, marks and scratches, and he's got the throat scar that he has as well. Oh, yeah, what is that throat scar? I'm not entirely sure. I think I googled it, and someone suggested it might be from a surgery. Yeah, I think of some surgery he might have had, but Mm. he does have, like, a couple of scary marks on him. He's a... Quite a vascular individualism. We got a really... Quite a vascular individual is Brock Lesnar. We got a really cool promo package for this, hyping up Lesnar. I don't care about anybody but Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. Well, I think maybe... He probably cares a little bit about Paul. Yeah, I would believe that. Oh, I'd like to believe that. <laughs> it's horrible to yeah. think that if they're not actually friends. No, they need to be best friends. No, they're definitely best friends. They have... I, You know, I hope they have, like, dad days where their kids all play and hang out. And then they have... No. They have a barbecue. No, then, I can't imagine that. Then they shoot watermelons with giant weapons that Brock has on his Kill ranch. prairie dogs and stuff. Yeah. This match was very much building up, and very smartly so, because WWE rarely liked to acknowledge the UFC, but this was very much building on the idea of this guy from the UFC who doesn't like wrestling or care about WWE is going to come in and run roughshod on this company. You have to save us, John Cena. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> absolutely loved it. The idea that Lesnar was this legitimate guy was coming up again now and that he wasn't going to play by the rules. And like this match starts and straight away Brock Lesnar just takes Cena to the ground like he would in a UFC contest. Yeah. And just starts rubbing that elbow against the back of his head. My notes say in capitals, within one minute, John Cena has a massive injury to his head. It's terrifying. God, it's bleeding so much. This is horrible. (laughs) We were kind of at the start, we were like, how did he actually make him bleed? And then we saw the many slow-mo replays of the bridge Uh... of the elbow. Just, it's not even a cut. It's like he's ripped the skin off. It's this entire size of his head. carpet burn to his head, but somehow it's made him bleed. I just, every time I think about it, I feel faint. It was, you were so distressed during this. Yeah. Like, I really felt bad showing you this and here's the thing right eight years since Lesnar was gone it was probably at least four years since we had seen any actual blood Mm. this was a no PG no blood that was WWE at this point and then to see this happen it was like Lesnar doesn't care that it's PG he's real it was planned yeah it was planned that Brock would stiff him up a bit Brock seems to have... The only explanation I have is that Brock seems to have an exception to the bleeding rule. Because huh. remember when we watched uh, him versus Reigns for yeah, How to Shield? Yeah, there's bleeding really in that as well. There's bleeding on both men's accounts. They do come in to try and stop the bleeding and stop it like completely covering and drenching him. Mm. The doctors come in and apply the hot glue as we see all the uh, many, many replays of that. Yeah. Poor John Cena. And I think... I'm very happy we had done How to Cena before we did this episode because I think John Cena is incredibly endearing and amazing and very great to rally behind in this yeah, match. Yeah, he is. He he makes a, a good face. Yeah, in really, this. really great. It was a really good match for, for him, actually, for both of them. When Brock starts smashing up and Cena's cut, uh, 
when Brock starts smashing at Cena's wound again and then rubs the blood on his chest and then licks the blood. It's so unhygienic. It's really disgusting and awful. Oh, come on now. John Cena's blood is probably the most sterile thing in the world. No, it's really weird though because I never thought I'd see the day when John Cena bled. I never thought I'd see his blood. Mm. I don't even... I never even considered he had blood. Because he's like... PG. He's like a robot. He <laughs> probably bleeds like oil. I thought he'd have that like white cum kind of fluid that uh, the robot uh... in Prometheus had. You know, I thought maybe he'd have that weird stuff, but no, he's he bleeds like the rest of us. Lesnar just punishes Cena in this one. Hard suplexes. Yeah. He wraps Cena up in a chain. Mm, he ties it to his legs. It was very strange. Yes, and um, then clotheslines him. Hard. Really hard. Lesnar is stiff. Don't know why match. he tied the chain to Cena's legs. I think it was so Cena would just like collapse and fall over. Like well, he's he going to do that anyway. Wrapped around in a loop. I'm not. Yeah, it was. It was a weird one. Um, Lesnar then tosses the ref into the ring with like one hand, just oh, casually, low key, just like in you go. He picks him up like someone would pick up like a child trying to run away yeah. in a playground, like by the seat of his pants. <laughs> Lesnar just quite quite quickly is establishing himself in this match then as like yeah. this kind of scary dude who's come back and he's going to make wrestling this horrible, squirmy thing. There's a really scary moment with Lesnar as well where he sets up the ring steps in the middle of the ring. Cena is standing on the, the ring apron and then he runs, jumps over the steps and just tries to hit Cena and goes careening over the top. Yeah. Lands a, right in his leg. It's a really far way for him to go at the time because we watched this before we watched his uh, earlier stuff where he does all these amazing flip de doo bits mm. so I was like fucking hell that's a long way for him to go very long you didn't it's not often you see that from uh, from Brock Lesnar he just told remember we watched this going why did he take this unnecessary risk in this match he didn't yeah. need to do it. No. and he literally killed himself and here's the funny thing is that he lands right in his leg he's there holding at his leg and people are like oh he might be hurt and straight away he just stands up and starts laughing yeah and the announcer's like he's sick he's laughing like he thrives on the pain he loves being hurt and then he brings it back into the ring and does the same fucking thing again, but Cena manages to rally and hits him with his chain, which he's brought out, and Cena gets this amazing quick flurry and manages to actually win this one. Yeah. Cena is left in this, like, crippled heap because, you know, his arm has been, like, broken in the match and he's been suplexed and thrown around and been bust up and cut up. What did you think, though, to John Cena seemingly vanquishing Brock Lesnar on his, you know, first match in eight years, comes back and Cena beats him. It seems a bit odd. It seems very John Cena. Yeah. Lol, Cena wins. Yeah. It seems like that could have been the perfect opportunity to get Lesnar over a bit more. Mm. But maybe they didn't want to. People were furious when this happened. Really? They said that Lesnar had been, you know, they'd killed off Lesnar straight away. It seems like a, yeah, an odd decision. The original plan was that he was apparently... Originally scheduled to win, and then the feeling was because Cena had, like the previous month, lost that big match to The Rock, mm. the idea was he can't lose to The Rock and then lose to Brock because these are two part time guys. Yeah. And if he loses to both of them and they go away, well, he's going to be pretty much valueless. So the idea then was that Cena would win, but only just win. And the idea as well that Cena would be taken away in a stretcher. And okay. so, you know, Cena won the match, but at what cost? What happens instead is that Cena wins, is all beat up, but then gets the microphone and is like, I'm sorry, I got hurt, people. You all drive, get home safe. 
he does a little promo just to send everyone home happy and says Chicago's the best crowd in the world. Apparently, the rumour was was that Lesnar flipped out when he when this happened. Really? He hated it. He was absolutely furious. That, Why? Because John was meant to go out on a stretcher and John didn't. Instead, John told everyone to drive home safe. So it's because of Brock Lesnar he asked, was it creative control, that he what wanted to have the... Lesnar was kind of was it was like a compromise basically. It's like you'll lose the match, but you'll be okay because you'll walk out like standing and Cena will be carried away in a stretcher. The idea being that Cena could beat you, but he nearly he was killed in the process. So whose decision was it for that not to happen? Well, Cena obviously went into the business for himself and just took the microphone, decided to everyone to drive and get home safe. Wow! And Lesnar was furious, and it was really worrying because I'm like, right, Lesnar's come back. Everyone is. Ragged on him saying that, oh, he's only doing this because he, he's shit in UFC now. Mm. He's not, he no impact here. He's lost to John Cena. There's rumours of him being all pissy backstage. And as well, Brock Lesnar is cutting promos in this time mm. on his own. There's no Paul. I played you the one oh. where he sat down going, John, this feeling that you're feeling right now, it's a real feeling. And I'm the reason you're feeling this feeling that you're feeling. Feeling. It's like a two-minute, like, aggressive promo about feelings. He's so... Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Brock Lesnar, mate. You are not in touch with your Look, feelings. Don't put... I can just imagine, like, someone backstage, like Triple H or Vincent Man, like, don't put Brock Lesnar on the mic. He'll talk about his feelings. We can't let that happen. Yeah, and after the feelings promo, I mean... You imagine the people in the back must have been freaking out, going, what's going on? Yeah. Who thought this was a good idea? So did Paul Heyman see that and then come back out of pity? Heyman, <laughs> he left WWE, and saving it for how to Heyman, but I swear to God when I say, you know, leaving under such terms that people are going, and he ain't never coming back. Huh. Heyman left under such bad terms that only did I think he was never coming back to WWE. I thought he was never coming back to wrestling. Oh my god. As in, no. Because Heyman was affiliated with MMA. He was doing his ad stuff, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, no, there's no way he'd be driving back to wrestling. He's got a career. What, Heyman was doing stuff with MMA? Oh yeah, Heyman was uh, at one point rumoured to be buying an MMA organisation with wow. some investors. And he was affiliated with UFC through Brock. And uh, yeah, Lesnar gets a phone. Lesnar picks up the phone and essentially tells Paul Heyman after the feelings promo... I fucking hate this. It was after that promo. It was after that one, yeah. He's like, I hate this. Please, can you just come back and do promos? And apparently the WWE guys were like, oh no, we're not bringing back fucking Paul Heyman. No, no no way. But the reason was this. It was like, look, millions of dollars for this guy. We can only use him a couple of times a year. We're locked into it for like two years or whatever it is. Fuck it, give him what he wants. If Paul Heyman comes out and cuts a promo or two, he's at the end of the world. And... The nicest thing that Brock Lesnar ever did for me, Kevin, as a wrestling fan, even though Brock Lesnar hates wrestling. And hates, hates you, probably. Hates me. Hates the fact that I like the wrestling and probably hates the podcast about wrestling even more. Yeah, I think he really hates this podcast. He probably hates yeah. the fact that you're trying to find out more about it. Yeah, he hates, yeah. Stop learning about wrestling. It's it's rubbish. <laughs> I hate it. Learn about shooting watermelons instead with a gun. <laughs> what I like most about Brock is that his gift to me and wrestling as a whole was that he brought Paul Heyman back to Aww. weekly TV. And when Heyman came back, all the announcers were like, what? He can't be back here. No way. And Heyman was brought back again. He's the representative for, for Brock Lesnar. 
And Brock feuded with Triple H after this. And it was great because they had to come up with an excuse every time that Lesnar wouldn't be on TV. And like Heyman would come out and read a lead it. Read, Heyman would come out and read a letter saying it's like, my client's feelings were hurt with the way he has been treated. Therefore, he is going on hiatus and will not be back in a wrestling ring until his uh, you know issues are addressed. And <laughs> it was perfect. Heyman had like this prize fighter who was fucking, you know, sensitive and finicky and wanted things his way. And it was great. He started to gain momentum. And I think the Lesnar that we know now and appreciate now is a result of Paul Heyman being back by his side. Certainly, I felt that it made the character more viable. So, is Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman, are they actually best friends for real? Mm-hmm. Because I can't imagine Brock Lesnar ever loving another human being. I will say is this, if you believe Paul Heyman and if you believe Brock Lesnar, then yes. And the only evidence I would have to substantiate either man's claims, even though I'm not in the business of kind of going, are you really friends? But... The only thing I will say is Lesnar only has one person in close contact with him who isn't like a family member or a very close. It's it's Heyman. Heyman was is his like guy in wrestling that he is close with. And he, this is just from them sharing a ride. Yeah, they tra- they travelled with each other. They became friends. I want a buddy movie where they go on a oh road gosh. trip. Oh, Origin story. Planes, trains, <laughs> and automobiles with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. May I've not seen that movie. Oh, but... fuck. <laughs> I imagine that would be great. <laughs> the culmination of Lesnar really kind of fulfilling the goals that they had for him. Because, you know, he feuded with Triple H. And, it, you know, he won a few. Triple H won a few. You know, he lost to Cena. He feuded with Punk as well. That was quite good. But it was only really when he was matched up with The Undertaker that what Lesnar's role going forward became truly established. Because at WrestleMania 30 which was at the time the biggest WrestleMania of, of, of all and was the one that really was important because the network was being launched on the back of this pay-per-view. Get the network, watch WrestleMania. Mm. Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. Do you know, are you aware of Brock Lesnar, sorry, are you aware of Undertaker having this streak at WrestleMania? I'd only heard of the streak after watching the match and I was really confused why there were people crying in the audience looking mm. so looking like their children had been gathered into the ring and then shot in the head in front of them that's the kind of the reaction to the undertaker losing his streak because I thought it must have been so confusing for you because I mean Joe yeah. started watching at a time when she was just being bombarded with promos saying this man beat some other guy you don't know and is not on mm-hmm. TV he beat a, a streak he had at this show we do once a year and I don't know if it ever connected I'll be honest streaks are something I've never quite got my head around yeah. yet because okay so the Undertaker streak was what 20 21 years 21 and 1 was the kind of the which just sounds thing. ridiculous now that it's actually up to, it's, 20, it's 22 now because he beat Bray Wyatt so yeah so and that's let me get this right so that's just at Wrestlemania though yeah so every year at Wrestlemania that Undertaker was on the show he had never lost so the streak isn't a streak for a belt necessarily no. it's a streak for just his match being having a match on Wrestlemania he has won championships at Wrestlemania as part of the streak right but not every match in the streak was necessarily for a title or a championship I just don't understand why it's such a big deal is, is there a big deal for two with people who've never watched on Summer sorry people who've never lost on SummerSlam for well, example well I don't know if see the, the reason why it's so impressive is because 
It started off not intentional that there was a streak. And we're going to talk about this properly in Undertaker's episode. But needs just to say about it is that, can you think of anything in wrestling which has been consistent for 20 years? I don't know. Maybe I'll learn a few things in this podcast. But in terms of like, people move companies, guys stop wrestling, people fall out of favour, things happen, people's position in the card changes, people's attitude changes. But Undertaker, from the moment he came into the company, was always considered in a position where he should win at the biggest show of the year because he's that important for us. Right. And it was after around six or seven where it became a thing. It was like, right, he can't be beaten at this show because he is such an important part of this show that it's like it's his special thing he can't be beaten at the big show did that not make his matches a bit dull no because it then became someone's got to break the streak surely and for years it was surely after like 15 years no I swear to god and I'm telling you someone who was in the crowds at Wrestlemania 25 for one of them which was against Shawn Michaels that we always thought how surely every year every year we would go in and go no fucking way obviously X is not going to beat the streak and there would be always one moment in the match where you go no way they've beaten the streak ah but he didn't beat the streak. So and Did you feel all pissed off then every single year upon year upon year when he didn't? No, break because the, the matches generally were of such a high quality hmm. and just such a spectacle to see The Undertaker wrestle, you know, once a year usually it was towards the end, that the matches would be of such a calibre that just, you wouldn't care who it won. It seems like people get upset with John Cena in the same way that they like the undertaker though yeah i think with the undertaker the undertaker thing is more to do i guess with the fact that he's got so many years and he's just kind of like he's been a constant in a certain respect and that's why people really reacted badly when the streak finally did end and the build for brock and undertaker at wrestlemania was kind of like ah yeah but lesnar's not gonna he lost to cena he lost to triple h he's not gonna beat the Undertaker streak. Yeah. And the match was a schnorfest. Uh, Taker got fucking concussed at the quite yeah, early on. Yeah, really early on. And then he just beats him. And the what, what he beat what? like the <laughs> the perfect moment of it was that how it ends is that the three count happens and then Heyman gets into the ring and just goes You did it, Brock! You and he runs over and he hugs Lesnar straight Aww. away and Lesnar is so wet like Heyman's suit just gets soaked through and sweat but such was the shock that he actually won and that straight away gave Lesnar one thing which was one he has this credibility that he was he he beat the streak that will be remembered forever yeah you know that's always going to be something that's remembered until his racist tirade comes out it's only a matter of time yeah they give Taker back his streak like (coughs) but it also gave him Something really important, which was a real reason for people to hate him. Mm. And people hated the fact that Brock beat the streak. How can he beat the streak? The streak should have been broken by someone young and deserving. Brock Lesnar doesn't care about wrestling. He doesn't care about WWE. He's only a part-time guy. He's only going to be here four or five times a year. Why would you let him have the biggest kind of prize or the most prestigious you know, medal in, in all of wrestling? Yeah. People hated it including wrestlers like Steve Austin on his podcast every week I hated the fact that the streak ended I don't think the, he still goes on about it wow people didn't think it should have ended so I, what do you think of the streak then I loved that it ended right and I only loved that it ended because of what followed right which is Heyman coming out every week telling us that his client brought Lesnar 
conquered the streak Mm -hmm. every week for fucking 18 months he was saying that yeah he once came out in front of a live crowd a hot crowd and went knock knock who's there my client brock lesnar my client brock lesnar who my client brock lesnar conquered the undertaker's undefeated streak at wrestlemania 30 (laughs) yeah and he would every week it would just be something he would just come out with it and lesnar was hated 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 and that was great because then when lesnar went up toe-to-toe with Guys on the roster again. Lesnar facing Cena at SummerSlam 2014 was when we watched way back. It meant something. He kills John Cena and he's Mm. beaten the streak and he wins the championship. And people hated it because he was a part-time guy. But I loved it because it was like, yeah, you don't want him to be champion. You don't want this mercenary, this guy who hates wrestling and is only in it for the check... You don't want him to have that belt. You don't want him to not show up and the kids to see the champion yeah. at the shitty show in Spokane or Arkansas, you know? And that's why I thought it was great because then when someone finally tries to unseat him and win the belt from him, it really meant something because yeah. we had to win the belt back off this fucking prick, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and that's why I love the streak because all of that was only worked because Taker... Sorry, all of that only worked because Lesnar broke the streak. Right. It only worked because Brock Lesnar ruined the dreams of millions of straight <laughs> white men in their mid-30s as keyboards were flipped, Gatorade was knocked over, nachos were choked on, and the only do with diet in it was spat out in disdain, you know? <laughs> he broke wrestling fans' hearts, and that's why I loved it. Right. You know? <laughs> and that brings me on to kind of a match that I would dare say is one of your favourites. Yeah. And it was a match I thought that would nicely encapsulate Lesnar's current run and current status in the company as being just this kind of super boss and final boss in wrestling that people have to try and stop. It was him defending the WWE Championship against Seth Rollins, your boy, and John Cena in a WWE Championship match at the Royal Rumble in 2015. Seth, who immediately exits the ring. I love that. He's he's such a coward. The pairing of Seth and Brock, we might as well talk a little bit more about now. So good. I don't think I've seen you enjoy wrestling as much as the few weeks when Seth and Brock are interacting on Raw and whatnot. things like that are my favourite part of wrestling. Being a wrestling fan, that's what I look forward to, is stuff like that. Really silly, ongoing storylines with ridiculous promos. Yeah. Just the whole thing with Seth buying tickets to Hawaii for Kane and buying Cadillac for his security team, pissing off Brock Lesnar, who then retaliates by attacking his new Cadillac with an axe. Uh, And of course, you know, Seth was involved as well, you know, costing Brock the championship at WrestleMania, which we talked about in in How to Shield. And the next night, he's got to give him a rematch and then said, actually, my my foot's kind of sore from kicking everyone in the face last night. I'm actually going <laughs> to skip out in this one, champ. And, like, Lesnar goes ape shit. Oh, God, absolutely <laughs> love it. But this match, incredibly fast-paced. Yeah. I think one of my favourite matches of 2015. Yeah. These three men just went absolutely at it. And you've got Cena and Seth trying to stop the crazy monster Brock Lesnar, who eventually, you know, retains in this. If you're someone who's new to wrestling and you really want to see kind of the WWE style as it stands and what it hopes to achieve at its at its peak it's this kind of match yeah definitely hard hitting flips big characters you know it's got it all yeah definitely i I love it i love you yeah no it's it's great it's a really solid match it's 
I mean, and as well, you mean you watch obviously Lesnar SummerSlam as well. I mean, do you enjoy Lesnar matches more often than not? Oh or? yeah, no, I always enjoy Lesnar matches, except for that one with uh, Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, he's um, he always brings just such his show, his matches feel special. And I think they just feel like I have to watch them. I think that's directly. Do you think that's directly related to the fact that he's only on the show? You know, he only has contractually a few shows a year. I wouldn't say it's directly because of that, because I think there's more to it than that. I mm. think part of it is the incredible showmanship of Paul Heyman. Yeah, he really gets you excited and really hyped up. Yeah. He makes you so. He makes it feel like a fucking big deal that yeah. Brock Lesnar is there and fighting. Part of it is also, I think, Brock Lesnar's natural in-ring charisma. Yeah. When he fights, it's genuinely scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm genuinely invested to see what f- weird shit he does. <laughs> who he's going to kill next. <laughs> and it's perfectly matched up with someone like Seth Rollins, who's such a coward. Yeah. And so little. <laughs> and I think as well, you've got two kind of ways you can work with Lesnar now, which is Lesnar... The good guy, essentially, by being the lesser of two evils, with any coward on the roster. Yeah. That's just, I would pay money to see Lesnar chase a, a coward heel. It's like effortly. a D&D alignment chart. <laughs> you've got Brock Lesnar, who is what, like, chaotic evil? Yeah. And then you've got Seth Rollins, who's, like, lawful evil, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nerdy reference. Can someone please make up a D&D wrestling chart for me? Because that would make me very happy. And, of course, you're the spe- end of the spectrum, then, is you've got Brock Lesnar, the scary monster. And, like, yeah. they could easily have a John Cena or a Cesaro or a Daniel Bryan or whoever. Could be like, can this guy overcome the ferocity of this animal and again that's just another it works so well with this match having those yeah. three sort of sides and that works so well with Lesnar's kind of career as it stands yeah. I think uh, Lesnar of course shocked the world amidst rumours of him signing with the UFC again in 2015 mm. he shocked the world when he re-signed with the company at the weekend of WrestleMania 31 where he defended against Roman Reigns and Lesnar looks like for the meantime is going to be around for a few more years It ba- it's it's worth bearing in mind that Brock is still only in his mid-30s. That's so weird to think of. So is his eventual plan then to go back to UFC? No, he's, he says his WWE is his home right. now. So. The reason was, basically, he makes a lot of money in WWE. Yeah. And it's a sweet schedule. And when he's not there, he just has to work out for, you know... For himself, for what he, for his performance and whatnot, but it's not as if he's in fighting camp yeah. for a UFC, which obviously would be a much more um, regimented lifestyle. So I mean, he gets to show up, do his little bit, of, and you know what? As well, this is one thing I will say for the people who say that the man lacks passion or he doesn't love the 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 wrestling or he doesn't care about the fans or what he's doing. The one thing I will say about him is this, particularly with the recent stuff when he was a face, you could tell that he was having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell that he loves standing in that ring when Paul Heyman is talking about how mm. he's going to fucking kill The Undertaker or Roman Reigns or whoever. You can tell he adored ripping that Cadillac apart. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm hoping, I'm not calling a shot here and saying, like, oh, this is definitely going to happen, but I'd like to think that maybe in a few years' time, Lesnar might soften up to the idea that the world of wrestling... You know, likes him maybe, yeah. and maybe that will. Imp- I want to see an improved relationship between Lesnar and fans. Mm. I think that's important. 
As it is, though, it kind of works, like yeah. you're saying. The you mystique. kind of don't want the fans to really like him as it is because it's part of what makes him such an amazing heel is that people genuinely do hate him and don't want him to be yeah. champion. And likewise as well, though, with the you know suplex city, so easily he can immediately, yeah. when I came in well, can encapsulate and become like a pop culture thing. Yeah. Eat, sleep, conquer, repeat, you know. I know they didn't come up with that, but it was only after they did it that it started becoming, you know, so widespreadly used. There was, uh, I think that Lesnar is incredibly marketable. It's going to be one of those, I think this thing with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, 10, 20 years from now, it's going to be looked back on as one of the most important wrestling gimmicks ever. And that's why I love showing you the earlier stuff with Lesnar to say that, you know, this relationship has been going on for years. And I think that's kind of one of the strengths of it, really. And you can't duplicate that mm. you can just take a brilliant mind for wrestling like Paul Heyman and then an amazing specimen like Brock Lesnar and go be friends by all <laughs> rights that by all rights the Aryan Superman and the New York Jewish dude probably shouldn't have become the best of friends yeah. and yet they are apparently so it's part know. of what makes them so so appealing and unique yeah I mean closing up final thoughts on Lesnar more animal than man he makes me tune into wrestling currently. I'll tell you what, NXT at the moment is making me love wrestling, but Brock Lesnar is kind of making me love sports entertainment, if mm. you know what I mean. I'm kind of, I like the razzmatazz and the production with, with Lesnar. He's making me, um, he will make me tune in to watch a pay-per-view that I wouldn't yeah. normally watch. Um, no, exactly. Thoughts on the, but I mean, I think that he had a very, very storied career. I was so happy to see him come back after, you know, a really awful exit. But he showed so much talent and promise even in his earliest matches. Yeah, you can tell that they see big things in him from right from day one. Would you recommend any of his matches in particular for people to watch if they want to check him out? I mean, God, I love his match with Roman Reigns. Um, mm. What was it? Um, WrestleMania 31, yeah. I'm so bad at remembering which shows these are at. Oh, there's too many names, honey. Yeah. Um, I love that match, but warning, it's quite bloody. Mm-hmm. It's unexpected. Yeah. I loved the match that we covered in today's episode one. with John Cena. How about any of his ones from pre-leaving in 2004? Any of his early stuff maybe strike well, you, out at you? Yeah, we only showed me, um, what was it, two of them? Yeah. Um, one of which was the one with Goldberg. So yeah. I don't really feel I'm quite in the place to judge. But the first one, his, his debut. The Rock as well. And the one with with Jeff Hardy. Yeah, yeah. Really good. And the one yeah. with The Rock. They're all great. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I mean, he had so many matches from that time as well, which he could have covered with Kurt Angle, also Hell in the Cell with The Undertaker. Mm. I mean, I'll be honest, folks, I, I think that Joke should have some stuff that she can actually watch in her own time outside, because I think you genuinely like Brock Lesnar. Oh, yeah. There should be some matches. I think it's not like Hulk Hogan where we, I made myself consume as much as possible because I'm never doing it. It's like, after I'm finished this, I'm done. <laughs> Hands washed. Whereas with Brock Lesnar, it's like, it doesn't matter if I haven't seen everything. I'm going to watch it at some point because it's fucking awesome and yeah. I really enjoy his matches. So interesting thoughts there on Brock Lesnar, but I think it's, it's just important, as we mentioned, we've got a variety of opinions which you want to kind of hear from people so i think it's time we check out some tweets and some facebook posts right so we had quite a few tweets in about the man brock lesnar yes we did um and i'm liking what i'm feeling i like it a lot john you know why you know what i'm sensing this is real john this is a real feeling that you're feeling because i can feel it I'm the reason you're feeling the way you're feeling right now, John. 
Some really great tweets. We got one from Count Crory saying, Lesnar is Vince McMahon's wrestler wet dream made flesh. The only <laughs> heel I can think of who turned face by being too badass to boo. I think that would be, I would agree with that definitely about him being like, in terms of the physical specimen, that's what yeah. the wrestler, that's all Vince McMahon's what I want you to look like tapped up to the max. Like he bred him in a lab or something. I think given the amount of money he has to pay the man and <laughs> uh, the fact that he does no media WrestleMania weekend, Lesnar was nowhere to be seen. I don't say he's a wet dream for a wrestling promoter in that sense. Though. Yeah. Gary Ross 1989 said he ended The Undertaker's streak. People hated him. He destroyed Cena and became a fan favourite. Wrestling's odd. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, you know, I find it quite funny. I mean, I was someone who was always kind of a pro Lesnar supporter, you know. I've always been a fan. I was always happy to have him back. But it was quite funny to see. I mentioned maybe to see the fans softening up to Lesnar. It was funny to see how many of the vocal critics of Lesnar were silenced solely because he put a beating on John Cena yeah. in a fake wrestling match. It's quite funny how easily people <laughs> do kind of get swerved by that. Um, Taco Man Awesome says, Great talent, freak athlete, bad attitude. Loves money probably more than wrestling. Just ask Jim Cornette. Oh, yeah. Who is Jim Cornette? Jim Cornette is an incredibly amazing, outspoken, controversial, often wrong, but always fascinating wrestling personality he's basically like if paul Heyman's yin jim Cornette is yan in terms of opinions on how wrestling should be presented okay. but no less entertaining and no less interesting hmm. he has some interesting opinions on on lesnar and, and, and his booking and whatnot can we look so. forward to a how-to jim Cornette at some point oh most definitely i'll see if we can convince um brian zane from wrestling with regret to do a, an impression for you you know oh <laughs> his Jim Connor impression actually and thinking it was him I didn't know him by name at the time but I was listening to the Attitude Era podcast and then came Brian Zane's impression I was like hang on I've got the wrong podcast here. what's going on Arrow in the Knee said proves that Mike's skill and charisma are two completely different things he's one of the most charismatic of all time definitely and also one of the screamiest of all time he makes some good grunts some great grunt compilations good for Adam screams as well I would say I mean there's yeah. a grunt and then there's a scream and Lesnar he does a pterodactyl scream. He um, does. It's, it's a, high-pitched. It's a funny noise. Another L said, I can't quite get over his unapologetic homophobia. I know he's not the only one, but he's been so direct. Seeing him play a bully just reminds me he really is one. Makes his heel antics hard for a queer fan to enjoy. Mm. Now, that's really interesting. A few people tweeted in to mention this homophobic thing. Oh, yeah. I think he is pretty... I think there was like one or two interviews, high-profile interviews that he did, where he was basically like, I don't like gay people. I hate gay people. And, wow. and it was kind of like, I hate gay people and don't talk to me about it. You know, that was his... So, obviously, he's got issues. That's really upsetting. It is really upsetting. It's it horrible is. to think he's a genuinely nasty person. I mean, mm. it's not surprising. Yeah. It's, it's pretty sad. And I think, I think yeah, it's a good point. I, it is hard to... And it, I mean, you can... Obviously, there's the... The point of view you could probably take is that probably one of the reasons why Lesnar doesn't do media is because of stuff like that and yeah. so at least the one thing I will say about Brock Lesnar I'm not defending his actions or his comments in any way shape or form but thank fuck the motherfucker ain't got a Twitter account Yeah, you know as in at least he's that's like fucking shit that said in an interview and he doesn't do interviews thank god it's not as if he's on Twitter every day going ah, you in know. some ways though that's worse because it guess, means he's yeah. kind of like 
at least with like someone like Zara Schreiber, okay, no, she wasn't doing it any more recently, but it's kind of good to know where you stand with people mm. and like being a kind of, I don't know. That's one area of Brock Lesnar's mystique I could do without, really. I'd yeah. like the air to be cleared of whether or not he is a homophobe. Well, I think he is. But I think he he said, is. I hate gay people, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's so pretty much cut and dry. It's like, Hulk Hogan, is he a racist? Well, oh. I mean, that quote, I guess, was a few years ago, so I guess I was just hoping that maybe there was some more recent that... I'm going to say the same thing person. I said about Hulk Hogan. If he wants to prove us wrong, he's yeah. got a chance, hasn't he? He, does, he can yeah. say something. This is a fantastic tweet now here from Save Us Y2 Jake. Uh, one of the few wrestlers, if not the only, to successfully blur the line between reality and kayfabe. Mm. Which is really interesting with what you were saying earlier mm-hmm. about how people genuinely hate him for their own reasons of not wanting him to be in wrestling. The genuine hatred of him for not wanting to be in wrestling and not to win certain matches and whatnot, that drives the emotion and the fan response. Also as well in terms of blurring the lines between kayfabe and um, you know what's actually real and what's a shoot. Yeah. Uh, how he wrestles does that as well. The match we watched with John Cena when we, wa- we watched that live at a bar and literally everyone stood up and was like he's went into business with himself. He's hurt John Cena for real. Mm. You know, he, he has a great way of making long-term fans kind of forget that, you know, it's a work sometimes because yeah. of how hard he hits. Big Boss Fan says, not a fan, in it for himself, comes off as if he doesn't care about wrestling or wrestling fans. I'd be a fool to say he hasn't been good for business though. Mm, yeah. Just a fair point. Definitely. I think, you know, even if you hate Brock Lesnar, you cannot deny both the success and the box office value of him, you know? Yeah. I think that's that's definitely true. And I heart Sean Leahy says, Brock Lesnar is the best thing in wrestling right now. He and Paul Heyman make the perfect team. Lesnar yeah. for life. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Add a few ones mentioned over here on facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling. Um, some people point to get some of like the, the weird angles that he was involved with. Including him pushing a one-legged wrestler down the stairs in a wheelchair. Yes, in a wheelchair. He also wrestled Stephanie McMahon once. Um, that that was a match that was set up. How come you haven't shown me that one? Because it's not actually a match. It was just like a segment where like it looked like it was going to happen and then uh, it didn't happen or whatever. Yikes. You know. Um, people here, Jeff Maxfield compared Brock Lesnar to being a real-life SNK Playmore final boss, and I think like <laughs> Brock Lesnar is the kind of the real baddie at the end of the arcade game you've pumped a lot of quarters into. You know. Uh, Case Middleton telling us that Brock Lesnar is an enormous tomato-coloured monster who has legs that look tiny and spindly compared to the rest of his massive frame, but are still as thick as an entire Hulk Hogan. This is pointing into perspective that his legs look small on Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar's legs are still huge. He missed leg day, didn't he? I think so. Never I, skip leg day. Never skip leg day. <laughs> <laughs> Someone here as well, Sean Wilmot, wanted to mention another one about Brock's personal life. He's married to Sable, the full yes! wrestler, Rena Mero. We have, well, you have a book. You have a like encyclopedia of WWE. Oh, yeah, the WWE encyclopedia. And yeah. we decided a few episodes ago that what we were going to do is before every um, episode on the classic older wrestlers, I was going to have a look through beforehand. And I came across Sable and started reading about her. And you're like, oh, yeah, that that's a... Uh, that's Brock Lesnar's wife. Mm-hmm. And hearing some of the things that you've told me she's been involved with and that mm. she did for wrestling, that's so weird to yeah, me. Very weird. She yeah, once sued the company for sexual harassment. Really? Yeah. I mean, because she was involved in the early Bar and Pranties matches, wasn't she? Yeah, she Sable very much was the listen to the Ashley Era podcast, honey, and find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one thing I will say about Brock Lesnar, it's a story which I, I think I need to tell you. 
a story I think I feel I need to tell you about Brock Lesnar and his enchanting wife, Sable. In Brock Lesnar got into the UFC, in his own words, by showing up, hopping the barrier and confronting Dana White and just basically telling him he was going to be in UFC. And he had pretty much a similar approach to his courting of Sable. Basically just kind of saying to her, like, we're going to marry or I want to be with you. And her refusing so many times to the point where I believe she actually had a restraining order put on him. And in a bit in his book, he describes the romantic moment he decided to break the restraining order break into her home and confront her and tell her how much she loved him. Oh, okay, right. Well, that's the final kind that's of like, straw, really, he, for Brock In his Lesnar mind, he was doing this, like, romantic gesture. No, that's really scary. But the, in his book, he's like, she was completely swayed by it, and she, like... she Swayed? And, yeah. Threatened? <laughs> Seriously. There's a reason I keep Mace by the door. Can you imagine if you... It's oh, in case Brock Lesnar jumps in and tries to marry me. I just, that's hard. Can you imagine opening the door... Coming home and Brock Lesnar there with like chocolates and flowers. I love you. Yeah! They had Paul Heyman there to represent him, like my client. I tell you what's going to happen to you, Sable. This Sunday at SummerSlam, you're going to get married to my client Brock Lesnar. He's going to marry you, Sable. There's nothing you can do about it. Think about that. <laughs> that's so scary. And also, yeah, okay, that's really. I mean, I didn't have. It's such a shame with so many of these wrestlers, like John Cena. The more I learn about him, the more I like him. Yeah. With Hulk Hogan, it was like, I already had low expectations that they got lower. With Brock Lesnar, I loved Brock Lesnar. I thought it was awesome. I thought his friendship with Paul Heyman was really cool. I then learned he's homophobic, and then I learned he's fucking abusive. Like, wow, uh, that's really, really scary. He's actually gone down so much in my regards Wow, that's really interesting. That's actually impacted my entire... Oh, dear. Yeah. Wow, well, that's interesting. I mean, I still... Love him as a wrestler, but God, that's really hard to like. It's scary. Not so, look I at mean, him and think of all those awful things he said he's, and done. He's done a lot of awful things. He said and done a lot of awful things. He probably, compared to other wrestlers, he's probably by his media silence has said and done less things, I guess, than a lot of his peers. But that doesn't excuse it. I think. Still. I think Brock Lesnar is just. Again, blurring the lines between kayfabe and reality. That's really scary. It goes both ways. Also, you know? one more thing to do with his wife. But Brock Lesnar's tattoo on his mm. chest, the one that's supposed to be a sword mm-hmm. but looks like a penis. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Imagine having sex with Brock Seriously. Lesnar. With him on top. With him on top. I mean, okay, this is maybe a bit TMI, but Kevin's six foot five here, ladies and gents. <laughs> He's a tall man. Well, he's only got a tattoo of a fucking you sword get a to my throat. chest, and that's like you know all the eye can see. With Brock Lesnar, he's fucking huge. You yeah. just get this tattoo in your face. Better than looking at his scary eyes. You pull that weird face he does. He puts people in the kimura. Like, so frightening. Yeah. Poor Sable. Poor I want to run and protect her and from all the terrible things. Yeah. Well, they've been happily married ever since. With kids. Yeah. That's really strange. Yeah. Very much so. She. uh she and him have been married like Imagine ever since. Imagine being so. the child of Sable and Brock Lesnar. So weird. Of a Playboy, mo- a former Playboy model and like a former like WWE, UFC, NCAA t- champion. You're bred for fucking something big, I guess. Yeah. So there we go. Interesting look there at the tweets, Facebook messages, a variety of opinions on Brock Lesnar. Um, I would definitely say the actions outside the ring and the personal life massively questionable yeah the accomplishments in the ring and the matches and the uh the the uh the involvement in wwe and whatnot 
there's a lot of really like there's a lot of great stuff to to get sucked yeah. into like a lot of stuff from just from before he was we was gone and, and after he came back as well there's a lot of great stuff to get sunk your teeth into so i would say hopefully new fans would check out any of the matches which we recommended mm. on the old wwe network but you think your opinion of him is tainted then I mean, I won't know for sure until I next see him in a match, I suppose, and it's mm. gut feeling, will I look forward to him and appreciate it? Or We are probably going to do an eventual, like, a, an episode dedicated to the darker side of wrestling. Yeah, although I've been saying, I, I do think it's quite important we look into a little bit for each wrestler. For each wrestler, because, yeah, I mean... If, if there's something big like but that. But what I'm trying to say is, I think the more we... The more we do wrestlers, the more you realise that ne- like most wrestlers have got some yeah. aspect to him yeah you know? definitely well, it's a short list of people who've not done things yeah John not... Cena Steve Austin they've all and done and even John Cena there was yeah. you know, there was rumours you had yeah. heard about stuff so I mean like it's, it's a lonely looking list that's got like Mick Foley on it and probably no one else I'm sure even Mick Foley's done something problematic down yeah, the line yeah probably been rude to someone as well at some point you know at least we've got Sasha Banks yeah exactly we've got She's Sasha our, Banks and Bailey. there are beacons of <laughs> no shining one, hope no one for the love of God no one Tell me that there's something horrible about Sasha and Bailey, and I'll be upset. I might actually <laughs> stop wrestling if that were the case. Stop watching wrestling. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, very much for all the tweets and Facebook comments uh, from at How to Wrestling on Twitter and Facebook.com/slash How to Wrestling. Thanks very much for those because I think it was really important. I think from the outset with this podcast, particularly with wrestlers who I'm enamored with, like like Brock Lesnar, who. It's good to get the other opinions so Joe's at least aware and can form her own opinion that, you know, people have different thoughts and feelings on them and here are some of the reasons why. And I think we got a really balanced look at Brock Lesnar yeah. uh, as a result of that. I think if I was just left to my own devices, maybe I would it wouldn't have been that. So I think that's what's a great thing it's about people so taking part. Great. Yeah, I love seeing people hate someone and then other people saying they love them. I love seeing such a vast mix of opinions. And I will say as well, over like on the Facebook page particularly, like vibrant debate is the best oh, yeah. way to describe it. I love seeing people get into it. And we do read, even though we don't read them all out, we yeah. do read all of these comments. Them, yeah. And I really appreciate the high standard. It's like, it's fucking awesome. Because if you know you want to do extra reading on, on a wrestler or whatever, just go to the Facebook page. Yeah. Click on the, the comments link and just see all this extra stuff that's in here. I would recommend everyone check out the contributions that people have been making. Yeah, top notch. as well as tweeting in. Yeah, read other people's as well because they're fantastic. Some really great tweets and Facebook posts. So one of the things that we've started doing now, um, if you've checked out our Patreon, you can see that we have different levels of backers. Now, we're going to only have a few of these available, but if you back $50 or more, you can request an episode. It can be one whatever you like. Now, we've had a couple of um, backers of that tier so far, so we've got some exciting commissioned episodes coming up. Uh, This one definitely jumped out at me because it was something which... Not only do I think you should learn a lot about, but it's something that I I know a bit about and want to learn more about. Yeah. So hopefully it's going to be a learning experience for the both of us. Kevin Poole, thanks for requesting this episode. We're really excited to do it. It's uh, How To Young Bucks. It's going to be a super kick party like you've never seen before. I cannot wait I know nothing about them. All I know is I'm just going to say this right now, guaranteed, you will love their matches. Yeah? You will love, love, love their matches. I'm really excited to do an episode on someone, or two people who I have never seen anything of theirs, I've never heard of them before. It's going to be interesting, it might be it might be something of a challenge to try and actually get the footage to watch all of these, because yeah. um, there's going to be a lot of indie shows and things like that. Hopefully fans will be able to help us out That'd and get great, us yeah. some source for uh, for some you know ways which we can watch for you know uh, legally and free online some of these young books matches 
matches. I'm really, really excited. There are guys whose careers I have followed. I've watched a lot of their stuff in Chikara, in Ring of Honor as well, and some stuff in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But we're definitely going right outside the WWE for this one. I think it's going to be great for Joe to be exposed to something that is not WWE, to see indie wrestling's basically MVPs, for lack of a better term at the moment, and guys who have been courted by WWE and have turned them down even. Really? So yeah, these are guys who I would definitely say are the hottest free agents in wrestling right now, without doubt. Interesting. So we want to know stories, matches, matches underlined, folks, okay? Because I think the most important thing about the Young Bucks are those incredible matches that they put on. So definitely, uh, matches, segments, interviews, stories, Thoughts on why they haven't signed with WWE and if they should or if you think they would fit into WWE and NXT? Because that's what we want to see. We want to see the best of the best, okay? We want to see why Dave Meltzer gets all squirmy inside the wrestling journalist when he sees the Young Bucks wrestle because they're so amazing. We want to see some five-star matches, yeah? Yeah. How to Young Bucks, use that hashtag to tweet in any of those suggestions. Facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling as well. There will be a common thread where you can contribute to the discussion about the Young Bucks. Mm-hmm. Some people would say a controversial tag team. I just think they're great, but I don't think I know enough about them. So some of the reasons why people think that might not like the Young Bucks. I know a lot of older um, wrestling commentators like Jim Ross and Jim Cornette are not fans of the Young Bucks. Why is that? Let us know and let Joe know as well. But I think you're going to be dazzled. I've seen a picture of them on Google. They're yeah. flexing their arms and leaning. They they like to lean, they like to flex, they like to kick, and they love to flip. Yeah. You know, and I think you like most of those things. Yeah, I do like know, most of those things. In high levels, and you're going to get them. Nice. That's going to do it for this episode of How To Wrestling, folks. Just a reminder to follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also leave a rating or review. Thanks a lot to everyone who's done that already. Makes a big impact on our uh, iTunes score. Yeah, we've appeared in the charts, the top tens very much. Thank you everyone who's taken the time to leave a rating or review. The best way, of course, to keep in touch with us. Follow us on Twitter at HowToWrestling. And of course, make sure for that next episode you're using that hashtag HowToYoungBooks. Let us know about those indie superstars. And thanks to everyone as well who tweets along. Joe operates the Twitter account and she has an amazing time. Just all the cool stuff that people are tweeting in and mm-hmm. lots of fun stuff being tweeted out and like, you know, uh, your discussions and threads are happening you know, on Twitter. Uh, so thanks to everyone who's following on How To Wrestling. And you can find us on Facebook. That's www.facebook.com forward slash How To Wrestling. And we make sure that we put up a post um, for each wrestler for the topic. And that's where you can leave your comments if you want. Otherwise, you can send them to us privately. That's fine too. Something which people do on that Facebook, which is really cool, is like after the episode is over, go back to that episode artwork and continue the thread and talk about yeah. thoughts on the episode or things which you think might be like in addition to might be good extras to add on to what we've discussed Mm. and if you want to give back to this podcast support us help us get some of them out you can go to patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling and become our backers and our patrons we have over 60 backers now it's fucking fantastic we've hit a load of our stretch goals we're going to see some live wrestling we're going to get some new microphones we're doing (laughs) bonus pay-per-view reviews now as well folks if you pledge five dollars or more a month you get a monthly bonus episode from me and Joe reviewing the latest pay-per-view offering from the WWE. We just put up SummerSlam 2015. Short review, just around an hour or so. Really enjoyable. Not going through it like move by move, just more our thoughts and what it was like for Joe as a new fan to watch. Yeah, we just do a brief overview of the whole thing. 
and we've had some great feedback from that so far. People seem to have really enjoyed it. And it was a lot of fun to talk about the Summer Slam and, uh, in that regard. Yeah. So yeah, backers of $5 a month, you get that. Backers of $1 or more, though, you get Joe's show notes, all the research she's done, the tweets, the weird pictures, and all the hysterical prompts that she's went into putting into making this episode are available for yours for a dollar or more a month. If you pledge for more than $10 a month, you get access to our exclusive VIP stream. Once a month, Joe and I will be playing computer games, hanging out, and just chatting with you guys you want to talk to us about the show or thoughts and opinions on wrestling or things in general just hang out or just see us suck at games yeah or just you know hear us be incredibly appreciative for you guys giving back uh, do that ten dollars <laughs> or more and as well I'd say book him in now because how it's probably going to work with the $50 backers for commissioning episodes is we'll do them limited, but then we'll kind of have a period where we'll do none and then we'll bring it back and make it available yeah, again. Yeah, we don't want to just do requested episodes. No, but we have got a few in and I think yep. definitely we're going to try and steer the course so that we're doing the really interesting ones still and so it's still the stuff that people want to see, but we're not maybe getting too obscure too quickly. But $50 a month, if you pledge, you get to choose an episode for us to cover. If you're Kev Poole, that means that you're going to see How to Young Books uh, very, very shortly. And just so you know how Patreon works, um, you basically get billed on the first of the month, and that's when your your backing gets counted, essentially. So if you're curious about maybe having an episode requested, it's perfectly fine if you just want to back $50 and then opt out again. Yeah. And we'll do the episode, and that way you don't have to pay a monthly you know, fee. Exactly, yeah, that's easy how it works. You can, you know, you're not locked into any sort nope. of commitment. You don't, even, <laughs> you don't even have to pay $9.99 a month. <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling. It's like Netflix, only completely different. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, Maggle. But seriously, um, you know, we spent a lot of time deciding whether or not to, to start the Patreon or what format to do it. Uh, thank you so much, everyone who's back so far. Um, I've done a lot of podcasts, and to hear, you know, people want to support help us continue this project is really great and it really helps out uh, for you guys to back us and give us your support we appreciate it massively we've had a couple of messages from people saying that they signed up to Patreon just to back us which is the nicest thing I mean we appreciate absolutely every penny you folks give us We, you do not understand how highly we value your input here it's honestly you're helping us run this podcast so smoothly and yeah there's a reason this podcast is going to come out at a nice brisk pace yeah. I think and, it's, and we thank you very much for your support in that and it really helps us get you know our focus in on it um, and likewise as well I will just say for people who are backing on Patreon we want to hear from you if there's rewards you think we should be offering or more kind of uh, stretch goals you think that we should be aiming towards or if you think that we should move things around or you'd like to see things work differently just let us know completely flexible with this stuff please feel free to message in any time yeah. we want to know what your opinions are this is the first time we're doing anything like a patron so you know we're not experts by any stretch yeah, we want to hear what you think new ground for us as well folks but thank you with your help with that and thank you very much for all the tweets and comments opinions matches and segments about Brock Lesnar I think we watched Taylor Swift with Brock Lesnar mixed in and that was just Yes. The, the, the funny little bits of levity that you people send in are just so beautiful. <laughs> They're my favourite bits. <laughs> and I look forward greatly to the stuff we get for How To Young Books. Yeah. Going to be a learning experience. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Until that episode, though, it's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. We'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.